Why is it that every time I bring up my favorite movie or song, y'all call my shit corny? You act like I don't have no taste and no flavor. I'm a Luddite or some bullshit like that. What kind of particular shit is that? It's the shit I like. That's what I like. That's my type of shit. You know? Don't you know y'all supposed to just say something nice? Showtime. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Say Something Nice podcast. Mild applause. Mild applause. You, you, you Negroes. Despite all obstacles to the freaking contrary, we are back today. How's everybody doing? Let me introduce everybody. We are here with Ken. Hi. Ali. Hello. And special guest Stephen from the Just the Two of Us podcast. Hi, everyone. And we are here, all of us dudes are here, because Latria hasn't seen the movie yet, are here to <laughs> review Marvel's first solo superhero movie to star a woman superhero protagonist, uh, Captain Marvel. No, not that <laughs> Captain Marvel. The Marvel's Captain Marvel. So, so basically, and not that Marvel's Captain Marvel, right? The woman Captain Marvel. <laughs> well, the other Captain so, Marvels in here, and we'll talk about that. <laughs> no, not the black woman, the white woman Captain Marvel. That one's in here too. The black ones in here too. We'll talk about that too. <laughs> They're all in here. <laughs> are they? Yes, they are. <laughs> in one form or another, they are all present. Uh-huh, all okay. kinds are problematic from the start. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but yes, uh, we're here to review Captain Marvel, which just came out uh, this past weekend. Um, despite the wishes of all of the incels and creepy men on the internet who have been acting a fucking fool ever since Brie Larson showed up on set photos way back last year. Uh, the movie has come out. It's been a success across the world. We're going to go ahead and talk about it now. And you know how it leads into Endgame, sort of kind of we might we'll do a really quick history thing about the whole Captain Marvel thing. Mostly because I see people on Twitter getting it wrong every goddamn day. And I can't reply to everybody though. I by myself am inclined to try. And it just pissed me off. Um, and we'll go ahead and go through all of that. That's not actually recording. No, it is. Um, so the first two minutes of this will be the back of recording because <laughs> the recorder wasn't running. Uh that's why you have backups, though. That's why you do it. All right. So what we will do first is we will go around, because a history lesson in the Captain Marvel is kind of spoilery. So we'll go around the room first and do our non-spoiler section. And what we do here is that we give movies a letter grade like you're in school. An A means rush out to go see it, pay full price. A B means maybe a matinee or, you know, like something like that or... Maybe the dollar theater. C means uh, it's up to you. You know, if you like this topic, maybe if you don't, stay away. D means it's a piece of shit. F means the film ran backwards. U E both put it together. <laughs> it's a goddamn mess. Uh, all right. So, who wants to go first? I shall go first. All right. Ali saw Captain Marvel Thursday night. In IMAX with myself. You don't know my life. <laughs> I, I know your life because I was the one. Let, let me tell you, let me paint the picture. So we're at the IMAX theater down like in like south, like south east Atlanta area. And Ali 
is he went, he decided for the first time in literally forever in the three or four years that I've known him to go get some fucking popcorn for Captain Marvel. So he's in the popcorn line. I don't know if they had to go and pick the shit out the ground and slice the so, kernels off one by one, but he was in this line for a good strong 40 minutes. They played every fucking trailer you can imagine. They played the trailer for uh, Shazam. They played the trailer for Hobbs and Shaw. They played the trailer for, what else did they fucking play? Um, what's that Elton John picture coming out? Rocket Man. Like, they, trailer after trailer. And then, the, then there's two IMAX trailers about, you know, IMAX is incredible and magical. And here's a countdown and everything. And literally, I'm looking like, where is he? And when the Marvel Studios logo starts playing, I literally jump out of my seat and run to the lobby. Ali is ambling from the counter of the popcorn as if he has all the time in the world. I'm like, Ali, the picture is starting. He's like, I know. I literally, like a cartoon, start shoving him into the theater. <laughs> we make it just in time to see the, the little thank you stand thing. And they tell me that the actual logo is all Stanley cameos. I unfortunately missed that part because I was kind of trying to corral this Negro into his chair. <laughs> yeah, the, the fanfare was actually, yeah, instead of showing all the different Marvel heroes like they usually do, mm-hmm. all the all the pictures were uh, illustrations of Stan Lee. Oh, that's um, awesome. Things. So it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, that, like, I mean, and I hate to say it, that got the biggest applause of anything in the movie. Okay. Um, so Ali, what did you think of Captain Marvel after that um introduction into well, your business? Sir, well, I have to defend myself because um, <laughs> I got in the line, uh, they just ran out of popcorn. And honestly, I don't even understand how a movie theater would do that at 10 p.m. Like I don't because somebody on. didn't run inventory properly the week before. I don't know. Maybe it was one of them sure. in sales who thought Captain Marvel wouldn't sell tickets. <laughs> point is though, um, at least then, at least it was hot popcorn. But still, though, they we had to wait until you know they until they went to Nebraska and got the shit and came back. <laughs> the moment I got, so the moment I got my popcorn, and by the way, it's one of those theaters where you get you get your food to one place and then you have to go some other place to go pay for it. Just <laughs> weird. Anywho. But yeah, um, overall, um, I would give this movie a B. A what? You broke up. I would give this movie a B. A B, a solid B. Solid B. Yes. Um, I enjoyed it for the most part. Um, this, this isn't one of those um, movies that I would say you know, left me thinking, man, I have to go back and watch this one more time. I was, I remember talking to Brandon after the movie and saying, there are a couple MCU movies that made me want to do that. Um, For example, uh, Black Panther, um, Civil War, uh, Winter Soldier, um, heck, even Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah, the Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one. one. Yeah. Right. Um, Ragnarok, (laughs) there's <laughs> another one love Rack and Rack, you know, tied to Watiti you know um, but yeah I don't I didn't feel that same um, that same pull behind my navel for uh, Kevin Marvel but I did enjoy it behind just, your navel yeah it's that hook that pulls you back in why is it behind your navel 
why are you always asking all these questions, man? Why don't you just accept it? All right. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Besides that, uh, Brie Larson, she, she brings a different kind of energy um, to the, to the um, MCU in terms of like, you know, the, you're, you're a hero. Um, I like the, her brand of sort of, of humor. Uh, that was really, you know, something. Um, I love the de-aging technology <laughs> in this movie. I, it's, it, they've gotten so good that you can't even really tell, you know, anymore, which, which I thought was really nice. And because for those of us who do not work in industry. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. <laughs> for those of us who aren't staring at a screen editing videos all day. Wow. <laughs> Shit. Don't read my well, I just read yours, so I guess it's fair. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, um, uh, yeah, it was it, it's yeah, solid B. So that's me. All right. Um Ken. Um I Captain Marvel to me was it was sigh. Let me get ready. How do I say this? Um, it was not a bad movie. It was a return to form for Marvel Comics uh, doing origin stories to introduce their characters. But while the movie like uh, does give us a nostalgic trip by reminding us of our favorite movies from the 90s um, and the way that it shot and some of the ideas uh, returning to the old Marvel formula for the origin stories, they didn't do it. That wasn't a good uh, revisitation. Um, this film suffered because it was kind of dull in places and predictable. There's really not a lot of twists. Um, I'm not sure if Brie Larson was acting or just like her am- uh, her amnesia or whatever. I don't think that's um, a spoiler, but throughout the movie, I didn't. It just felt like she was like, you know, I'm kind of here, um, but she's not bad. But I did also feel like she kind of leaned on people of color throughout the movie to make up for her lack of a personality at times, um, whether they were black, uh, green, or sometimes blue. Um, but in some places, the movie is cute and adorable. I think Brie and Samuel L. Jackson play off each other very well in a buddy cop way, so they nailed that. Um, well, I do have some criticisms. I, I'm also wondering what was she given to kind of, um, you know, how was she uh, guided? Yeah, guided or directed at times. Because um, I feel like that could have been, you know, maybe it wasn't her fault or done because, it's, like I said, when she works, she works. Um, but when she doesn't, it doesn't. Um, um, but I did like that. Some of the special effects were cool. Um, I think it went on a little long. Uh, Maria Rambeau, definitely, every time she was on screen, she was great. Uh, who's the guy who from, from, from the head, From the forehead down. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm, I talked, I to, I talked enough about her, like, Carol Burnett. Uh, <laughs> no, it was in the, in the group, yes. Uh, kid said she looked like she was about to close out the curb of that show, and I screamed in my chair at work. I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> shit killed me. <laughs> is, that, is, that your, is that your flight suit jumper or your janitor outfit? I couldn't tell. I mean, <laughs> you know, what I mean, feelings, you guys. I'm like, damn, we ain't come um, very far from um, Octavia but- uh, Spencer's role in. Uh, the Merman <laughs> movie, Shape of Water. Wow. Shape of Water, yeah. Um, 
But I mean, and who was it? Uh, was it Mendelssohn who played one of the scrolls? He did a great yes, job. Yes, Mendelssohn. Even though it felt kind of weird, it felt like at times the movie like got out of its. Um, I don't know. It it, it it stylistically it felt off sometimes. It's like is he is like it, it felt like his his um his acting was so good. They were like, yeah, it's not really the mood we're going for, but it's cool. So let's go with it. It's probably some of the best acting going on in this movie. Um, but uh, the the twist about you know all of the Captain Marvels being there was a little okay to me. What was weak? Some of the stuff they shoehorned about the Avengers. Well, it's really one sticking point. And I'm sorry to say I'm going to complain because I'm going to stop now because I feel like I'm just complaining about it. It wasn't that bad, but it was it didn't live up to the uh, Marvel's uh, usual cinematic chops, you know. Um, and I so. That that was my big thing. And one of the, the there's one thing that like I was a sticker one. Um, Stan Lee's cameo, especially the opening sequence where you saw like all the Stan Lee like they changed out the Marvel's opening sequence with all the Stan Lee's cameo. Steven talked about it, but the way that that just like was like awe inspiring. Like that you know it just got got you all in the feels. And I still enjoyed his little cameo. I'm not sure if that was him for real or whether that was CGI. It was him for real. They've shot a couple of cameos already for like they oh. have a couple in the tank. Maybe maybe, oh, okay. maybe maybe some maybe some of the establishing shots aren't of him, but the close-up is of him. Okay. All right, Stephen. Oh, I didn't give a did oh. I give a letter. You didn't give a letter, no. I'm giving it a B minus to C. Oh Jesus Christ! All right, uh, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I kind of um, I agree. I agree with Ali that it's uh, it was good. Uh, I think it's good, not great. It's not necessarily a movie I would rush back to to see again. Uh, I, I did enjoy the film. Uh, I liken it in a way to because it's an origin story, so I give it a little bit more of a leeway um, because it's an origin story. Uh, I, I, I'm hoping it's going to be like Captain America: First Avenger was, where when I first saw that, I was like, "This is okay," and then they took it up a notch. So I'm hoping like when the next. Captain Marvel comes out, they're just going to take a, a great leap. Uh, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. Um, but as far as movies, I mean, it, it was good. I mean, even I would put it near the, the middle or the bottom half of, of all the MCU films, but, but that's not really saying much because I, mean, I really do consider most of the MCU films just be good or great. So mm-hmm. putting it at the bottom isn't really much of a slight. It's like saying that you're like, like the... Um... You're like the like if you're at the bottom, you're like you're in the bottom half of like the honors class, like right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that, that's that's what I feel. About, I don't know how other people feel about the MCU, but that's that's what I feel generally. I mean, they're they're all really good quality films. That even a bad one is still pretty good. I mean, it's like pizza. You know, they say even a bad pizza is like still good because it's pizza. I, I kind of feel the same way. Uh, I, I like the. I definitely like the 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 buddy cop aspect with uh, Brie Lawson and Sam Jackson. Uh, excuse me, Samuel. And I think that uh, that was pretty good. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed seeing more color to to Nick Fury, as in you know when we first meet him in Iron Man, it's kind of like he's all business. You know, he's he's this rough and tumble, you know, ruthless spy guy. But then in this film, we get to see that he's really you know, he's got jokes. You know, he's always joking around. He's a little bit more lighthearted. So it's good to see that. And in and, and general, it's good to see more of, of, of Samuel Jackson because this is honestly like the most screen time he's gotten in any of the 
MCU film. So yeah, I, I was happy to see that. Um, he really, you know, he really shined and, you know, did his usual thing. Um, overall, I, I would give it a, a B minus. I mean, I, I thought it was good, not not particularly great, but I mean, good enough to see, and I would recommend it to people. All right. As for me, I'll give it a B plus. I did really enjoy it. I think the one issue that I had with it, Ken said it was too long. I felt like it was too short. Like I felt like I like what everything that I saw. I just wanted maybe a little bit more of it to sort of kind of build a story. Uh, this movie was written or co-written and directed by the indie team of Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck. It's literally their first studio movie they've ever done. And it kind of shows in places. Like they don't they don't have, like, I think, a good grasp on the scope of like the galactic parts of it. And that's sort of kind of where it gets a little bit like woozy wah wah. The stuff um like Earth, all the the uh, Carol Danvers, Nick Fury stuff, the you know, Carol Danvers and Rambo family stuff, all that stuff shines really well. Even like when they get to like the um the big twist and you get more character moments from that, you know, that all that stuff is really good. Like the space battles sort of kind of the first mm, 10 minutes or so are sort of kind of like a little bit wiggly. And it's not the fault of the actors, it's the fault of the directors. Like it's like there's a little bit of a punch that they are that they're um they're not getting in there. But everybody does like everybody the actors that are bringing their A game. I really like I like Brie Larson as Captain Mar- as Carol Danvers in here because like I in a lot of movies and TV shows when you're playing an um like a somebody with amnesia is it amnesiatic? Amnesiatic yeah. yeah. Uh they tend to sort of kind of play it like you're a zombie. Like I always think about the the season the series finale of Full House when I think about like people with amnesia in movies like how Mary Kate and Ashley just sat there like I don't remember anything, you know I at least appreciate that like that you know Carol Danvers still retains some semblance of her personality, mm-hmm. even though she was amnesia because she could, easily could have been like I'm a soldier I've been programmed what is this I remember you. And they didn't do that. She still had like some spunk and some attitude and everything. Um, I really appreciate how the success of these movies is allow people like Annette Benning to be in like these, you know, quote unquote silly ass comic book movies. <laughs> I was like, is that Annette Benning? <laughs> wait, wait, you didn't know she was in there the whole time? I sort of knew. Uh, here's the thing: when I when I've been sold on a movie. I'm going to, and I'm going to see, I tend to avoid, like, reading too much about it. Like, I've literally read nothing about, I've read a little bit about this. I've literally read nothing about us. Jordan Mm -hmm. Peele's us. Not a goddamn thing. Um, Other than that, it's 100% of Rotten Tomatoes right now. Um, But, yeah, like, I knew she was in it. I didn't know which part she was playing. Is what I did. Yeah, I was the same way. I mean, I, I, I think I maybe have remembered her being cast. But then I completely forgot about it. And then when I'm watching the movie, I'm like, Annette Benny, like, where did she come <laughs> <Yeah>. from? <laughs> and just like they bring so much to this thing. And like I really like it's a lot of fun. It's very colorful. It's very like light. Maybe a little bit more of like a punch to some like the like the space stuff would have helped. And like Ali was talking about like the 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 aging technology. It is very well done. You know, I'm me, so at a couple of shots, I was like, you know, that shot was a little bit, you know, it's a little bobbleheady. And I did feel like the the um, the third act did use Digidub was a little too much for my taste. 
but I'm that guy. You, most people listening to this aren't that guy. You know, the person who stares at video editing all day long. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, I did really enjoy it. It's the first movie I've seen this year, I realized. I haven't seen anything else yet already. That's how right. fucked up my life has been. Christ. Um, and post-credit scenes were great, too, as well. We'll talk about all that. All right. Um, the last that I want to say, I just run through the cast this right quick. I'm just... Um, so we talked about Brie Larson and Samuel Jackson a whole lot. Um, we, Bill Mendelsohn, we talked about a little bit. We had to talk about him more a little bit in spoilers. Um, Jaiman Hansu, shout out to Jaiman Hansu. We're catching two checks in the same month. <laughs> mm. In two movies, the protagonists have the same name. All right. <laughs> That's what I want to talk about. Um, Gemma, Gemma Chen, she did she did well, but you know, she's kind of underused, but you know, it's, it's kind of by necessity, I guess. You know, she just there. She to, played a role. Yeah, she's there to be Alexandra Cabot, it's fine. Um, and not in, in not in not um the one on the space on the priest prop talk like Josie the Pussycat's Alexandra Cabot. Um, who will be black in the Riverdale universe? Awesome. Uh, <laughs> And shout out, of course, to Goose, <laughs> the latest MCU pet who's going to be um, a thing. He's already so selling merchandise. Just for himself. He's no baby group. Or she. I don't know. But well, really, who is baby group, though? I'm, I'm <laughs> baby group is forever. <laughs> well, not forever. You know, he's teenage group. Baby group is forever. <laughs> All right. Um, so, those are our non-spoiler reviews for Captain Marvel. If you have not seen the motion, this motion picture, and you are not an incel, um, please go see it before listening to the rest of this review. We urge you actually to go see it um, before continuing with us. But for everybody who's already seen it, here comes our spoiler discussion, including a brief history of the whole Captain Marvel um, thingy. So here we go. All right. I do have to say, speaking of Goose, since we're on like sort of kind of Goose area, I spoiled myself when I was like, look, I did look up a little bit. Like, I was like, because when I saw the poster, I was like, why the fuck is a cat in the poster? And so I Googled, you know, Captain Marvel Goose. I was like, oh, so he's a thing with like, he's a tentacle monster. <laughs> so the whole time I was waiting for that um, um, Chekhov's gun to be fired. And I was not disappointed. <laughs> Before that, shout out to the fans who was who were able to pick up that from actually the very first poster where it's in it's her in front of the where the plane hangers are opening, mm -hmm. the doors are opening. Shout out to people who noticed um, Goose in that because on the very far left of that poster, all the way to the left, all the way at the bottom, is half of Goose walking away. Oh. <laughs> You slipped that image in really stealthily. You had to really look at that poster because the poster, it's so it the poster is so good in terms of focusing your eye in the very middle because obviously in the very middle is where Captain Marvel is standing as the plane hangar doors are opening. Mm -hmm. But if you look at other details around the poster, you will notice Goose in the very far left bottom. 
Okay, awesome. I did not catch up on that. I, really, I don't think I did. I did notice when he gave him his own, like, character poster. <laughs> All right, so brief history of this whole Captain Marvel thing. We talked about some of this in our Shazam episode, which is still coming out in a remastered version. I just haven't had a chance to actually spit it back out because life sucks right now. Um, but you guys will definitely get it before, well, before March 23rd, for reasons we'll discuss later. Um so, as you might have already already known from listening to this podcast, um, Fawcett Comics had a character named Captain Marvel, a little kid named Billy Bassett. It's a magic word. Shazam turns to an adult superhero with Superman's powers, basically, um, back in 1939. Uh, DC doesn't like that shit, so they filed a lawsuit in 1941 because they had— because Captain Marvel was super popular, they turned him into a movie serial. They sued uh, Fawcett Comics and uh, Republic Pictures, who made the movie serial. They were in and out of court for a whole decade. In 1952, Fawcett settled out of court with DC to pay DC $400,000 and agreed to never again, in perpetuity, ever publish a Captain Marvel comic or a comic related to Captain Marvel in any form or fashion. Which basically meant that their trademark lapsed after 10 years of disuse between 1953 and 1963. In 1966, a company named MF Enterprises, run by a guy named Myron Fass, hence MF. Uh, Myron Fass was kind of a, uh, like, I guess what we call him, like a, um, I want to say a huckster. I don't know if that's the right word. He basically, his comic book company was good for trying to steal names that he thought might be in disuse of older superhero characters to try to make new versions of them. Like, he was trying to launch a Plastic Man comic at the same time, not having known that DC had bought the rights to Plastic Man from Quality Comics. But in 1966, he created a comic book called Captain Marvel, in which their Captain Marvel was an android who, he said the the keyword split, and his limbs would fly off and punch the bad guys. And he had a ward named Billy Baxton, by this time in 1966, Marvel Comics was already calling itself Marvel Comics. They had changed their name from Atlas Comics in 1961. And they sued uh, MF Enterprises and Myron Fass for trademark infringement for the whole Marvel part of the name Captain Marvel, because they had already by this time trademarked the name Marvel. And they were sort of kind of um, going to take him to court, but um, Myron Fass eventually, they settled out of court with him for $4,500. And Stan Lee was told by by Martin Goodman, the man who ran Marvel Comics at the time, that you need to create a character named Captain Marvel. He can't be anything close to Fawcett's old character or to Superman. Just create a character named Captain Marvel. And whatever whatever you do with him, just make sure that he's named Captain Marvel. So Stan Lee and Gene Colan, who was the artist, they come with uh, Captain Marvel, who is a Kree soldier who comes to Earth. And he's sort of kind of tore between, like, you know, fulfilling his duties as a Kree soldier and protecting the people of Earth. He has a secret Earth identity in the form of Dr. Walter Lawson. And the book doesn't really sell that well. It's not Stanley's best work. After a couple of issues, I think it might have been only one, he jumps off the book and he assigns Roy Thomas to be the writer on it. And so it's Roy Thomas and Gene Colan are writing Captain Marvel at some point they decide to redesign his um, Captain Marvel's costume from this white and green sort of kind of, frankly, bland costume to a blue, red, and gold 
But a blue, I think actually it was red, black, and gold at first. And then it was like with blue highlights, the version that worked better. Uh, Roy Thomas decided he wanted to be a little bit cheeky, as the Brits call it, and have Captain Marvel accidentally bought himself to Rick Jones, the teenager from the Incredible Hulk series, so that Rick Jones would use these um, sci-fi, quote-unquote, magic bracelets, hit them together, and he would transform into Captain Marvel, which is obviously a joke about the faucet Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. At some point in 1968, Captain Marvel gets a, a, girl, a love interest named Carol Danvers. And in a story not too long after, she's an Air Force pilot. And sort of kind of, you know, like a tough cookie trying to break the stereotype of, you know, like the, um, the love interest who just sits there and waits to be saved like a damsel in distress. In one of these stories, Carol Danvers is actually involved in an explosion with Captain Marvel in which some of his DNA, don't think anything nasty, you guys, um, gets like sort of kind of like, like the explosion knocks like some like wave force. I, I think maybe I can help you out with this part. I'm because this part is weird. Yeah. And it's changed over the years. But basically, um, I think it, if originally it was like a, an explosion and they think she dies or one of them dies, right? They don't die. They think, uh, I think they go into like a coma or whatever, but she survives is the, is the point. Yeah. But later on, we realized like, and this is almost like they're backpedaling a bit, but they were saying like the, the, the machine that destroyed was the psych uh, uh, magnetron, mm-hmm. which would grant person somebody's deepest wish. And her deepest wish was to be a hero like Captain Marvel. Mm. That was one of the ideas. Okay. Uh, like, and then another idea was that she was irradiated with, like you said, it mixed her DNA, but also that she was irradiated with Cree technology and energy. Right. So it's, it's overall, it's kind of like she's always getting her powers from something exploding. Right. Something going wrong. Yeah. And it took them 10 years, almost 10 years, to actually have her become a hero because the Captain Marvel book was sort of kind of in and out of publication. It was when they started publishing Miss Marvel number one in 1977 that Carol Danvers became a hero. And her like original outfit, she had like a, a face mask. She had more clothing on top than she did on the bottom because she basically had bikini bottoms on and boots. And she would fly around, you know, and she would, you know, she was a hero. And here's, here's like a fighter plane. Yeah. And in 1982, of course, Marvel famously killed off Captain Marvel in their graphic novel, The Death of Captain Marvel. He died of cancer. And they also, they, that's when they brought Monica Rambeau into the picture and made her the new Captain Marvel with a different power set, basically, from a different source. And because I remember there's like a panel, there's like a little page of the thing meeting Captain, being Monica Rambeau. And she's like, I'm Captain Marvel. And she, he's like, no, you ain't unless you were blonde under, under there. <laughs> <laughs> I knew, you know, that whole thing like that. Um, now, I know in the 80s and 90s, like, they kept assigning different people to be Captain Marvel and Ken, that's where you had to help me out there. I know his I know Captain Marvel's son was Captain Marvel at one point during the eighties and nineties and a couple of during other During the nineties, yeah, Jenis uh Vell, he became yeah. Captain Marvel. Because the, uh the, go re- ahead. the reason why they kept doing it was because they wanted to keep that trademark active, the Captain Marvel trademark, so that DC, who had by this time licensed but not bought the rights to the Fawcett character, couldn't acquire it. That was sort of kind of the thing that they were trying to like keep them on their toes, even though it wasn't selling. And it didn't really take off until the 2000s, like the late 2000s, when they brought back Carol Danvers and built her character up and made her more of an important character 
and in 2012 officially assigned her the name Captain Marvel. Yeah, and even then, the character has not been that. It's like they're. It's kind of like the i, like they keep rebooting the book. Right, but it's more successful now than it has been in decades. It's like the thing. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. We yeah. And so, when they decided they were going to give Captain Marvel the first um, Marvel Studios movie to star a woman superhero, I think the people who had only seen the movies and not read the comics were perplexed as to why they weren't going with Black Widow first. Because, you know, they weren't familiar with, you know, the characters from the comics that well. But the idea was that they wanted their first um, woman character to be as powerful as Captain Marvel is. Because, you know, she's... Powerful on a level with Superman, basically, like at, at DC. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Somebody who has like you know, like this, you know, like heavy power set. You know, she can do these photon blasts, super strength, super speed, flight, all this kind of good stuff. And it makes for you know, like a more dynamic superhero movie than like the Black Widow movie they're gonna make, which is basically gonna be like you know, like a espionage movie, unless they put somebody else in it. We'll see. Uh, so that's where we pretty much are. This movie was supposed to come out last year, but when they added Spider-Man Homecoming to the Marvel Studios production schedule, since Kevin Feige produces everything himself, which is smart, as we have seen, they pushed this movie back to this time. March of 2018. Right, or 2019, rather, than I think it was supposed to have been July of 2018. This was the original plan. And so here we are. All right. So, spoiler discussions. So, I mean, the big spoiler, of course, is that, you know, even though, you know, Carol asks Verge because they find her um, her dog tag and it's broken up and all you see is the Verge of Danvers, so they call her Verge. And even though she's fighting for a Kree and she's like a good soldier and everything, it turns out, of course, that the Kree are the aggressors in this war against the Scrolls, who they just want to get home and find their family who have been like um, hiding in a secret bunker, you know, sort of kind of set up for them by um, Dr. Wendy Lawson, who was the who was the Captain Marvel in this universe. I love also they made her a woman. I love it. I love it. And that's Annette Benning's character, who she plays. I love that. I sat there in my chair like, oh, both of them are women. Oh, somebody, somebody's um, little um, misogynistic heart is breaking right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, she's sort of kind of built a refuge area for the scrolls. And um, Ben Mendelsohn's character, whose name is... Talos. Yeah, Talos. yeah, 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 Talos. He is looking for because his his wife and his child are part of this um, this refugee like convoy, and so he they're trying to find you know this um, what was it like the the engine that Doctor Lawson had created because it sort of kind of holds the key to where this thing is located. And because when Carol crash lands on Earth after being attacked by the Scrolls and sort of kind of you know they kidnap her and they're sort of kind of trying to like dig into her memories and they're playing stuff back and forth because trying to figure out like the keywords from Dr. Lawson. And, you know, you had that first great action sequence where she's fighting and then she, and then <laughs> she goes back for her shoes. Because <laughs> uh, she get out here running barefoot. You know, she's dignified. She ain't doing that. And Crash Land. 
crash lands on Earth in the middle of a blockbuster so that you know it's 19 to fuck 95 and, the ra- and there's a radio shack two doors down. It's like, look, all these failed companies, y'all. <laughs> if that didn't help you, then they had to play all the 90s songs. Okay. Yes, they did. Um, let me finish this point before I get into that, though. But, like, the whole idea is that Carol doesn't notice she's fighting for the wrong side. And when she finds out, she changes very quickly. Like, you know, like, it, she doesn't have to have, like, she, everybody picks up on it very fairly quickly that, you know, this is what's going on. This is what we need to do. This is the right thing to do. Which I, like, and that's why it makes her a real hero is the idea that, you know, just because I am a Kree soldier doesn't mean that I have to stay one if it's not the right thing to do in this situation, which I really do appreciate. All right, 90 songs. When they played Waterfalls, I did start doing the dance in my chair. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all know the dance. You, cry, you do sort of kind of do what kind of forever. You bounce you your shoulders back and forth like they did when they were the, um, the little water people in the video. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're not at a luxurious theater, Brandon, so that sort of thing is difficult to do in your chair, wasn't it? I did it anyway. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you almost, almost knock somebody's popcorn over. Jesus. Did I? Did I? Mm. <laughs> well, and also, why was Maria Rambeau playing that? What's that? What's that dance song? You gotta be bold. You gotta be tough. You gotta be stronger. Like when I used to hear, I used to hear the white folks station all the time back when I was a kid. <laughs> oh, Desiree. Oh, people noticed uh, about the music though. I think all the music that they played were by women artists. So they oh, that's awesome. TLC, they had Hole, they had no doubt, but you know, Gwen Stefani. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was that played into the whole theme of like women's empowerment and thing like things like that. Yep. Even when Samuel Jackson sung, please, Mr. Postman by the Marvelettes. Not right. the Beatles, white people, the fucking Marvelettes. The first number one hit on Motown Records. Okay. No, okay. the first thing oh, I ever edited. The first thing I've edited. The first thing I ever edited on Wikipedia was somebody had put the article "Please, Mr. Postman" and said, "Please, Mr. Postman" is a song by the Beatles on their album with the Beatles. No, the fuck it isn't. <laughs> it's a cover. Okay. okay sorry. Okay. It's, it's erasure. Sorry. It's it, erasure. <laughs> no, I think that was ignorance, Brandon. You think that you think that person actually did their research? Clearly not. No, no, that was more ignorance on their part. Also, there was a also there was a song. Um, was it, it? It had the chorus. I'm just a girl. There was no, no, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I'm just a girl. That was like that was their first hit, right? Or it was, I know it was definitely early. It was before Don't yeah. Speak. Um, but yeah, what? What happened? I was going to say that, but that's, that's an original Gwen Stefani song? Yeah, Gwen Stefani used to be the front woman for No Doubt, which was a ska band in the 90s and the early 2000s. Then she went solo because her oh. and the guitarist, the uh, Indian dude, they were dating, then they broke up. And okay. so she quit the group. Mm-hmm. No, actually, she, though, they are broken up like long, early in their. In their uh, oh, yeah, because Don't Speak is about him. Right, because yeah. don't speak about him. Yeah. yeah, but they they had been broken up for like years. Okay, like okay. before the band hit it big. Okay, really? Yeah, I gotta watch that. Um, behind the music again, then shit. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, probably probably the idea of it and it being so close, you know, people probably thought that and it may help the album and the song sale. But I doubt you can like write this song about your breakup and then turn right around and you know, do you know, perform music about it with your ex. Oh. Jan almost did that shit. She kicked that niggas to the curb before. It's all for you is the one that's about her ex. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But yeah, we getting off track with music shit. Um I was gonna say so Samuel L. Jackson as as young Nick Fury who drives his um Cadillac. <laughs> was it a Cadillac? It like a Cadillac. No. What was it? I, I think it was like a. I don't know what it was, but it was not a cat. It was your cliche '90s police car. Yeah, yeah wasn't it wasn't a squad car. Yeah, <laughs> like it's a like a later model. So because you know the police always got a, a car that's like almost a decade old. Yep. Okay. I just knew it was old and boxy looking. I was like, that like that like the car my granddaddy used to have. <laughs> hey, it took him from point A to point B, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Yeah. And uh, through that car chase, when they're trying to um, track down Carol as she's chasing after the scroll, who's taking all the different forms, including the old lady on the train. And from the trailer. Yep. And also because they ran past the places where you could tell that was like on their first day of shooting from those um those set photos and everything. Uh, I think Captain Marvel was the first Marvel movie in like years to actually do most of its filming in California. They caught some sort of a um a uh a tax break lot lottery I think they have in California now. And so they actually filmed this one in California versus bringing it out here to um to Pinewood in mm. Fayetteville, which is about where all the rest of them have been filmed filmed for the past couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. So Georgia keep fucking up with all these terrible long laws and all that Marvel money's gonna go gone. Um, but yeah. I did love that, you know, when she's uh, looking, when the, the biker shows up and she's like, come on, honey, smile for me. And she steals his bike. <laughs> and you don't feel sorry for it. You don't feel like she's done a bad thing because fuck him. <laughs> yeah. And then that's like just the typical move they do in movies. Like you make the guy a jerk. So then you don't feel bad that you know, yeah. she takes his bike. Right. I think that was kind of like a cheap move, you know? But I agree. Well, also, I feel like it was like a... I almost was wondering if it was a reshoot, like something they shot after they had done their first principal photography because I feel like it was a rebuttal to like all of it. So let's talk about it real quick. People have been acting a goddamn fool on the internet about this fucking movie. A, a, lot, a lot of us guys have been acting a goddamn fool about this movie on the fucking internet. I don't understand it. Just because a woman stars in a superhero picture does not mean that men will no longer appear in superhero movies or that you know, something's wrong with that. And just because a woman, a woman actress says we need more diversity in these press junkets and things, I don't want to just talk to a whole bunch of white men. That is not a bad thing to say. <laughs> you know, this is one of those times I'm, I'm okay. happy. I'm happy that I'm not like super deep into the comic book lore thing because I didn't know. I I've, I remember I know of the character because of all the images online before the movie, before the announcement of the movie. Mm-hmm. But like, so I knew it was a woman. I knew Captain Marvel, you know, would be a woman, but I didn't realize it was such a big deal for people. It doesn't um, have to be. They're acting a fool because they're they they hate women. And it's coming out of them. <laughs> Here's the thing. Do you think that I, I don't recall this much backlash with Wonder Woman? I mean, obviously you have the same the same trolls out there, but I feel right. like it was amplified for this movie versus Wonder Yeah. Woman. So I, I don't you know, I don't you know what I think it might be, and forgive me, this is not correct. This this is my theory. This is my little opinion. 
Because Captain Marvel is not sexualized the way that Wonder Woman is. Wonder mm-hmm. Woman, you know, she wears like, you know, like a um a low-cut um armor and you know, like in in the movie version, she has like, you know, like a Roman skirt. You know, in the old comics she used to have on like, you know, like um uh, you know, swimsuit bottom basically, and she would run around in boots, you know, and she would be, you know, sexy and like, Linda Carter was cute and everything back in the 70s and all that kind of stuff. But Captain Marvel is dressed from head to foot, and she makes a point of going back to get her fucking shoes when she's fighting them um, scrolls in the opening. But, wait, open the scene. but Brandon, remember you said that there were images, there were illustrations of Captain Marvel before that had her um, not, you know, she wasn't fully dressed, like her costume wasn't. Yeah, her, yeah, her costume basically, like her whole leg was out. That but the new costume, because the thing is, a lot of the women who create comics are trying their best to make the costumes that these women characters wear more functional and of more make more common sense and not be based upon you know a man you know a man's penis literally drawing the image like how Wally Wood made Power Girl's breasts bigger every issue until the editors noticed not this other kind of nonsense like that like Carol Danvers is a, is a soldier she you know she dresses in a soldier's uniform a space soldier's uniform her outfit looks great. It looks especially great when they um when Monica Rambeau plugs in her Mario paint um and um changes the colors around. <laughs> Ken, real side, side note. Apparently, um, they didn't have Mario paint on the island because when I said Mario paint, Ali looked at me funny. <laughs> <laughs> what? I never actually got to play Mario paint. Steven, you play Mario paint. Huh? Steven, you play Mario Paint? No. no. Am I the only nigga on this thing who played Mario Paint? That shit was awesome. Yeah. That's yes, what I'm trying are. to tell you. <laughs> I get the reference, but yeah. People who play Mario Paint, call in or, or tweet in. Mario Paint was fucking awesome. All right, but or, yeah. <laughs> or, or, you know, don't. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. And like, there's. All this like ex- this ridiculous energy, and of course, it puts a bee in my fucking bonnet because they're trying to use, you know, Shazam to counter this thing. Like Shazam was the original Captain Marvel. That's a real Captain Marvel movie. I'm going to see that instead of this one. Do not use my niggas in your ridiculous fucking women hating scheme. Because you can go in that theater and find out and find out that well, I can't spoil that anymore. The movie's too close. Um, you're gonna fuck yourself up. I'll just say that. <laughs> Real bad. You can buy the theater um from seeing Shazam pissed and hot if you're going to see that shit just because you think that you don't want to see Carol Danvers be a woman and be stronger than all the rest of the characters in the MCU. I'll just say that. Don't do that shit. Mm-hmm. It just it just it pisses me off because like the whole thing with Rotten Tomatoes, where they had to shut down their like, you know, because you used to be able to say whether or not you were interested in seeing an upcoming movie or not. And all these people, they banded together like, like, like they did with um uh mm-hmm. Paul Fee's Ghostbusters with uh Miss McCarthy and um Kristen Wiig and um uh Kate McKinnon and Leslie Jones. And like they did, I didn't know they did this the Oceans Eight. Cause I didn't see Oceans Eight, I haven't seen any Oceans period. So they trolled Ocean's 8 too? Yeah. That's what they tell me. They trolled Ocean's 8 when it came out. Like, what's, like what is wrong with y'all? I didn't realize it was that big with you, man. Like, who, who raised you? 
like, what does it matter? <laughs> like, well, apparently, it's a apparently it's it's a point of real contention <laughs> for people <laughs> to be offended that there are strong women or their powers. And I, okay. speaking of which, I am so glad this movie didn't have a fucking love interest or a fucking love. The love stories between two play sisters, and oh, that's fine. Uh, Another thing that I want to point out, yeah, I wanted to mention that too. Yeah, there is no love story. Cal- Carol is not doing what she's doing because because of a trying, dude. He's trying to avenge a man or trying to get back to a lover, or she's not doing any of that stuff. She's she's just trying to get herself um situated to figure out her place in all of this. Yeah, who she is, who she was before she became a soldier. Yeah, that's yeah. that's it. Can that's, I just say, I'm sorry. I felt like the the uh, the uh, the uh, flashback sequences were kind of weak. The ones that she wasn't in, I didn't like. I mean, to be honest, there aren't that many of them that she's even in. No, but I feel like this was a missed opportunity to like kind of like I like when they mentioned that when um, Monica mentions like we're her family because she doesn't get along with her father. I oh. thought that was cute. I thought it was a cute way of doing that. Of explaining her backstory a bit and kind of reinforcing what you saw in those flashback scenes. But the thing is, it felt like the flashback scenes were like, instead of making one poignant scene, one or two poignant things about her past, you just give us like a highlight reel of, of like fucked up shit. I feel like that maybe is where they could have expanded this movie because the movie only runs two hours and four minutes. They could it could have been a strong ten minutes longer, and we still would have been. Fine. I feel like they could have like added to the backstory, and, yeah. well, not the backstory, but the character development. Because I don't, you know, you know, something I read, you don't have to ha- ha- like show me a back, uh, uh, um, a flashback sequence to do character development. You don't. And that's have kind to. of a lazy way to do that by establishing a past. Oh, just more you just time. Need, you just need to make the stakes in the parent. In, in, in the present, pardon me. Yeah. Uh, more important and make that highlight certain things about the character. Yeah. Um, what I would have liked is more time that she's like with just her and Maria by themselves. Like they could have gone out to like eat someplace at one of their old hangouts and just. I feel like we house. had just enough time with them together. Really? I want to. I don't more. feel like we, <laughs> we didn't need to have a sister girl moment where they go to Applebee's Grill and Bar. I wanted that scene. I wanted that exact scene. <laughs> Where it's karaoke night, and then they get up there. Yes. And they start doing the like Beyonce. Um, no, not Beyonce. This, is, this is the nineties. They would they would have been doing the um salt you know and pepper, I mean. what a man, some shit. Oh, like they would have did um, uh, 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 salt and pepper. You wanted to do what a man, what a man, what a mighty good man, or some shit like that. But yeah. they, they already used that, that that as a as a drop. Um, so they about to do another song. What was what was popular back then? Um, Coco. What's um I'm so into you. SWV. Do that. <laughs> I think that's a, yeah. <laughs> or, right. Yeah, I kind of agree. Or so something like that. I mean, there. I, I don't know why they had such a, a close relationship. Like, I don't think that was clearly conveyed in the movie on why they were such close friends. And like another scene like that could have shown why they were why they were close. I mean, like you know the, when they showed the flashbacks when uh, Carol you know, fell off the ropes and she was doing the rope training. Uh, maybe they could have had, maybe she was in, in training with her too and then she bonded Yeah, she comes up, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to do this together. I you know, completely it's be agree with that. So if she, if she had fallen and then Maria was the only one from the cadets who would come up and extend a hand to help, that would have been... That's that, that, would be, yeah, that would have been... Yeah, yeah, yeah go ahead, sorry. That would have been the piece that would be missing in there because we see... We see them already um, together walking out of the plane hangar, mm-hmm. you know, bumping 
is with their aviators on and everything. And they're already friends, but we don't know why they're so tight. Yeah. If the, you why they were so tight, like maybe a little, a little scene, that yeah, would have been great. That, that, that entire plot point is resting upon Monica showing us them photos from that photo album and from Carol's stuff that they had kept for the last six years. And right. a photo don't move. <laughs> and you don't spend I enough mean, time on it. You don't do the Spielberg thing where you sit there and you touch the photograph. They don't do that. So the, and the photo don't move. So yeah. you need to do one or the other. And also, granted, granted, the the actress who's playing Maria Rambo, she was really listen. Acting. She was acting down. I turned to Ali. I said, "She is acting down." They put that wig on her. She said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna work through this wig. <laughs> I'm going to transcend the wig." <laughs> Really doing, um, you know, she was really doing the work to um, really convey the, the connection yes. between her and Carol for all of the scenes that they had together. Because you could tell from her face when she said that she was so disappointed that all of the stuff they've gone through and Carol can't remember right. any of it. And so, and then, you know, they had a scene together outside in the grass in Augusta. Fuck you, uh, that's not Augusta. <laughs> <laughs> they said it was Louisiana and the closing credits said filmed that, that part of the picture was filmed in Louisiana on location uh-huh sure okay anywho so they were out there and you know they had that that that, that scene where they're out there in the in the you know just talking to each other one-on-one you know privately and you could really tell you know that 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 there was something that that Maria felt. It was a, a deep friendship, and then you could see the the sort of um, the gears sort of um, uh, rolling in in Carol's head mm-hmm. when she finally pieced things together and you know really come to the come to terms with the fact that you know or, or at least come to the realization that okay, this is the true story. This is this is not fabricated. This is the real me whom I used to be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But but I I agree with you guys like they there were two kinds of um, memory um, stuff going on in the movie. There were stuff where Carol would be um, walking through someplace like the bar she goes to. Yeah, and they and did like the little the, the overlays. Yeah, they show you flashes of memories inside the bar, and then there was the other one, which honestly I thought that was kind of clever. It's just to literally have the mind the, them ch- kind of sift through her mind like a like a Windows, you know, movie player. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> run, run that back. Run that back. Run that back. What was that? There, yeah. right there. Play that one again. <laughs> so instead of them just having a generic flashback, they would just have literally somebody going through the points, the exact points that you need to actually be where yes. they literally force her to try to focus and try to remember certain scenes. I really like the the part where Annette Benning's character keeps on going, um, like repeating over and over. Every time she turns around, she's like, she she uh, she says, you know, hey, remember why we're here? Remember why we're here? And then she go, and then she turns around. She then Annette Benning comes back again, and, and the, look at Carol's face is like, bitch, didn't you just say that? Did <laughs> <laughs> like, you just did you just see that? <laughs> yeah, is he yeah. repeating yourself? <laughs> Speaking of windows. I love the, te- the the shade of the old technology. Because yes. when we were kids, that shit was top of the line. <laughs> now that we're so far advanced and living in the fucking Jetsons and shit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> we it, it brought a CD. Was it, it was a CD and they... Yeah, with the recording cord. It had to load. Let's do it. Yeah. It's loading. 
I love how, and it wasn't just that. I love how other parts of the movie where, for example, she always had to like mess with technology to be able to try to communicate with their, um, with the rest of her team overseas. And she would leave the messed up technology as it is. She yeah. wouldn't be like, okay, let me fix this back. She no. took a part she of would, Game Boy. <laughs> she would leave it as it is. And it's like, what? You can't just do that? You, no trace of yourself. What? what? <laughs> Yeah. One thing that I I found funny was when she was doing the uh, the Alta Vista search. Yes, and like only yes. two results came up. And I'm like, <laughs> that would never happen. No matter what what query you put into a search engine today, yeah, in results you would get at least twenty. She only got two at the time. <laughs> and she was typing you know one what? one thing at a time. <laughs> maybe that made maybe that that would make um that I bet that used to make searches a lot easier back in the day. No, it didn't. Like. Because <laughs> it was like you couldn't find what you were looking for because it might have been listed yet. Because you know back then, you know the bot the bot calls weren't automatic per se. You had to sign up for some of these um search engines and things. You know uh-huh. it was kind of the dark ages. <laughs> yeah, and I can say with all confidence, I'm I'm older than you guys, and I I was in in college during those years. So like I I remember that. I remember searching for stuff during then and not finding any results and. And it, it was a very interesting time. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, let's see. What what else? I like I, My favorite scene in the movie is sort of kind of like... I love superhero power origin scenes. I know a lot of people don't like origin stories, but I love the scene if you're a regular person and this is the moment where you get your powers, you know, with the explosion, you know, with the, their interpretation of it where, you know, Dr. Lawson is trying to, like, have Carol test the thing and then, like, the, um, the scrolls come... And, no, not scrolls. Actually, the Kree, because you know they think it's the scrolls in her implanted memory, but it's actually the Kree. Come and start blasting the shit, and she and she blasts the um, the engine after they've killed Doctor Lawson, and it explodes, and she absorbs all the power. I love that's a really good looking effect shot. Yeah, especially in IMAX, that shit was like, ooh, yes. <laughs> I, I like my favorite scene. Will have to be the the um. The Chekhov's gun of the um, the power the the inhibitor on her neck. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, when it when because, it, let's talk about when, that whole scene where she's like fighting the supreme intelligence. Who, yeah. even though it's taking the form of Annette Benning, I'm sure it's some fucking dudes behind it. You know, and she's fighting the thing, and like the whole, and she's basically like it's like Neo breaking out of the Matrix, basically. Like, yeah. and you see her, like, and she comes to her full power in there, and like the thing pops off her neck, and like she starts glowing up and everything. She starts well, breaking re- free. Why I like that scene so much is because she, she like she like the audience. Um, by this point in the movie, you realize um, that the the fact that she absorbed all those powers from mm-hmm. the, the machine the thing, the, the engine that um, that was being worked on by Annette Benning, she absorbing all those powers, and what which is what we've seen so far in the movie, that clearly means that there's a this supposed to be like a huge difference here because everyone's trying to get it, right? Um, so there must be something about it. But then when she realizes that, oh, wait a second. So this thing on my neck, it isn't to like- Give me break. powers. It's, it's dampening to, my powers. It's, it's, <laughs> wait a second. This is like, it's like wearing, it's like wearing um like a, like, like, um you know, weighted, a weighted vest. Yeah. Really. So she's just like, well, well, fuck this then. Um, in, in, fuck this in particular then. <laughs> and 
Let's see, let's see what I could really do. And I love yeah. that. Like, um, Maria's like, Carol, you know you're glowing, right? <laughs> yeah, and then that's when you see that. And then she goes completely, you know. She goes full uh, Super uh, Saiyan um, level three. Yeah. <laughs> Which is awesome. Whew. I, I did not... I. Even though it was way better than that shit in Black Panther, a couple of like the scenes in like the third act where she's flying in space towards um um what's the space um Ronan yeah Ronan the accuser's um ship and you can tell it's a digi double like in IMAX you can really tell it's a digi double even though it's better than that shit in Black Panther I was like I was like y'all could have just y'all could have superimposed her face into there a little bit you know her real face so at least one part of it's for real if it's gonna be that close to the camera but you know. They were hoping that you would be overwhelmed by all the power. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what else did I want to say about Monica Rambeau was fucking uh, adorable. I appreciate that she got a lot to do. So I really thought when they when um, they said it was going to be in 95 and Marie was going to have her daughter, I thought we were going to see, Hi, how you doing? Bye now, go to bed. I really thought that was going to be it, but she has a whole like thing to do. She's an artist. She helps design Carol's new costume after first rejecting the original designs for, for Shazam and for Black Adam. <laughs> so I said this before we started recording. I yelled at the screen when they did it. So I was like, yeah, shit! <laughs> I'm just like, nobody in the theater got this. But, but me yeah, and right. Ali, we're the only two people who noticed it because but they did it on purpose. Like, because if you had missed it when it was the red and the yellow, you did not miss it when it was the black and yellow. <laughs> yeah, so the black and yellow was definitely like, no, you're just trolling. Yes. <laughs> I appreciate it, though. I mean, you you had to do something. You had to do some sort of like a little winky thing at the, at the Supreme Nerds like us who would recognize that shit. Um. <laughs> I um, I think the comedy from from um, Ben Mendelssohn's character it was it was one of the the points of levity in the movie. Yes, and I think really appreciated, especially uh, as I sit as I sat and watched the the movie. The people in the theater really, whenever it came, whenever it was Ben Mendelssohn's scenes, people really liked it. They, they his jokes really hit um, a good spot for everybody. Right, you know, especially when even when he was like. Um, in wordlessly um, emoting like he would he would shake his head quietly mm-hmm. or nod quietly at a character. <laughs> It'd be a funny scene. I liked how they were interrogating him during the third act about what he can turn into and Maria suggested a file cabinet. <laughs> he's like, why would I turn into a file cabinet? And once, once you realize he's not the bad guy and they let him do more of that stuff, it became really, really funny. Like when he's drinking yeah. the soda and all that kind of stuff. But the thing is, they did have the inverse effect though of once you realize he's not the bad guy by Jude Law is, Jude Law literally grows a snotly whiplash, whiplash mustache for the rest of the movie and he just has a scowl the entire rest of the picture and has no other personality beyond really that. Does. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of I, annoying. Yeah, I, I did not like that. You could have I had also, him read the same lines, but give it a little bit more nuance to it. <laughs> I honestly also would have appreciated it if, if it was just Jude Law's character, but not the entire team. So you mean to tell me the entire team? Everybody's bad. It's that Atlantis of Lost that, Empire shit. <laughs> that, that, that actually was a point where I was just like, that just kind of upset me because... They pushed so hard on, like, to make you sort of like the others, but always kind of question Jude Law. 
So the fact that all of them were just kind of in on it, it was kind of, it was kind of man. I, I did like, I did like the 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 um the line from Carol where she was talking, where she was talking to um Jim a chance character. Where she was like, "Is this why we never hung out?" No, no, I, I just, just didn't did. like you. <laughs> I mean, I did like that. That was funny, but but like to have the entire team, I think it would be much more interesting if it was like Jude Law was like deep undercover and he fooled the, the rest of the gang, right? That would have been more interesting because she just beating up on them like that, it just, something about that felt off to me. It was weird. Yeah. That is always a hard twist to like sell in a movie where like your entire team is actually against you. I've well, never seen thing, it work properly, I don't think. And the other thing is too, the supreme intelligence, you're made to believe by the end of the movie that it's, it's just creating this very... Um, so it's like a hive, right? It's like you have this queen bee in the middle and everybody else are just drones. Mm-hmm. Would have been nice to show that, hey, the other, the other members of our team, they're just drones following orders. But then when they realize that, hey, this is what it, it, it comes to, then they might turn as well, you know, against Jude Law. Because Jude Law is clearly someone who's like in the know. He knows that there's something more to the supreme intelligence than just this this all encompassing sort of um like this like queen a, whatever I want to be thing. Well, whatever is. I want to be, yeah. Whatever I want to be, right? <laughs> that's that's what it, you know, it, it. I just think it would have been more interesting if it, if the other characters she didn't just get to just just like <laughs> dish. I mean, she, yeah, she just she just wailed on the rest of her team. Like it's like, but we don't like know enough to it's, it's just mm. right yeah i mean they could have resolved that yeah by having having more scenes with the team at, at the very beginning so you could see what type of camaraderie they had or right. relationship like if you got more of a hostile feel from them then you would understand like yeah she didn't care for them too much and they didn't care for her but you really didn't get that right right because the other thing is too is like if it was like if it was like Jude Law um, was the only one who was able to pull off the quote-unquote friend really, really well, but the others, they just weren't as good as at showing at showing how they're in on it. Like, they just, there would be like little slip-ups, like, you know, where, you know, because she's essentially a big, she's a huge bomb, basically, around them, right? Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's, a whole, that's the whole idea behind it. It's like, the only reason that they're here is because she's a, a grenade. She's, and the, she's the star running back of the team. Right, but she's also super dangerous if she gets to know what she really is. Right. We're here to make sure that you don't and also to put you down if you do. Right. Yeah. All right. One thing that I thought worked really well for the fans of the MCU movies but didn't work well for the film itself were the Avengers, like, like the Easter egg Avenger stuff. You know, I didn't like... care for a lot of it. Like, like the Tesseract? The Tesseract thing, and especially the very last part of the movie where it's like he's going, where uh, Nick Fury's going through the photos and finds that Carol's uh, call name when she was a pilot was Avenger. And he's writing up his little paper and they, they start playing the Avenger music. I was like, oh, Christ, don't do this to Carol's movie. I thought that was really, I, I thought that was really freaking corny and I can see why the rest of the MCU hates her. <laughs> like, oh, I'm, it, it, I mean, it, it, it like fit almost a 90s theme, but for the Avengers, and it just feels like lazy, like, uh, 
cont- what, cont- not, what do you call it? Uh, retconning. Retconning. Yeah, really lazy retconning. Calling it the event, like, and oh my god, the way Samuel, um, well, other stuff, but that was to me that was very bad. Plus, I can't. Let me try to remember what was Carol's name uh, nickname in the Air Force in the comics. Yeah, yeah. See, because also I do know that Goose the cat was named Chewie that comes after Chewbacca. Even though Disney yeah. owns Star Wars, they decided not to do that. They decided to name Cat Goose after the character in um, Top Gun. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, Goose turns out not to be a real cat, but to be a flurkin, which is, you know, yeah. this very dangerous, you know, like being that turns basically into a tentacle monster and eats people, things, including the Tesseract, which was one, uh, yeah. also the thing that Dr. Lawson was hiding from the um, the Kree was the Tesseract. Can, can I ask a question about Goose? Mm-hmm. Um, I may have missed it in the film, but did they explain how Goose got there? Did they say it was... Uh, Annette Benning's cat or something that she brought, you know, quote unquote cat that she brought with her and they, and they just left it at the base? Like, did they explain why this uh, clerkin was there? No, but yeah. I, I assume that's what happened. That's that. Yeah, I, that, that's, that's probably cat. exactly what happened. It, they never explained it, but it's, I mean, if Annette Benning is actually an outer space, um, you know, entity and there's a cat here who's an outer space entity and they just happen to be in the same place at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to guess that she brought the flirking with her. For protection, yeah. probably. Yeah. Okay. Well, another question related to that. Did they explain the, the, the Tesseract, like where that came from? I mean, obviously she had it, but did they explain how she, how she had it, where she get it from? I don't didn't they say that. that didn't, they, didn't they say that she discovered it in, on Earth? Like she came and then she discovered it. And then she was going to use it um, in her experiments. Okay. But then, yeah. But then when she realized what the Cree were really going to do, she decided to, you know, hide it and then use it to power um, the engine for a ship to get to help them to escape. Right. And Pretty much. Why do these niggas hide that shit in the fucking um, Happy Days Fonzie lunchbox? <laughs> that was. That was awesome. Anyway, I love. <laughs> Uh, which led to another funny line where she's like, I could have sworn I put it in there. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, and she read that line the way that Ali, you be, you be doing, you be like, do like, like you're pretending like, I don't understand what's happening. I, I, <laughs> I could have sworn I, I put it in there. Because <laughs> the funny part is that by the time you get to that, that, that part, you, I almost forgot that there's nothing in there. <laughs> I was like, she was like, Fuck! Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. I also really did love the scene though at like where you thought things would be like another part to the battle where Jules Law was like, "Okay, I'm putting down my gun. We're gonna fight fist to fist like we did in the first scene." And she was like, "Bitch, I got time for that." <laughs> I saw that coming. Though. That was telegraph. I said, "This is going to be oh, yeah. to the Lost Ark. She is going to yeah. just shoot him rather than go through all of that." <laughs> yeah, I was. I, I, did, I, was I did. They caught. They got me. They got me. So. <laughs> oh, I, I saw that too. I was like. Something's either going to collide with him or she's going to shoot him. You thought like a Wally Coyote Acme uh, spaceship part was just going to fall on his head? Yeah, I, I thought something was going to fall on him or, or rush him from the side, right? Off camera or something like that. Or, or well, what happened, which is she, she shoots him. Because this is a base... This, this whole scene, again, you know, with the, the, the whole... Um, you know, in Palmer and thing, that scene read like, okay, you want to fight like a man? Let's fight like men. No, no, <laughs> no. I'm a woman and I don't have anything to prove to you. 
I'm going to put you in the ship with a message. You can go back to your mommy. You tell her <laughs> that I'm here. <laughs> and I'm not with the shit anymore. Right. All right. Anything else before we get into the like the um the wrap up and we talk about like the post credit stuff? Uh, I'll take that as a no. Okay, so Carol is leaving, but not before uh, Samuel L. Jackson decides to name her Captain Marvel after the Marvelettes. Uh, and he proceeds to sing "I Sung Along with Him" in the theater. Yes, I did because it's a Marvel. It's a it's a uh, Motown song. Uh, <laughs> and she gives him a two way pager that he that he that she's upgraded. I did laugh like shit when the first time the two-way pager showed up in the movie. I was like, dear God, this is the 90s. Uh, and she says, only in case of emergencies, because she's going to go and she's going to fly the scrolls back to their, or find a home for them. And so she does just that and flies off. And, you know, that's when Samuel L. Jackson types up the whole um, Avengers paper after seeing her thing, um, her photo and her um, call name. And so then we have the, you know, like the, the main credits, and then we go to the first post-credit scene, which is, of course, in the present day, where Captain America, Bruce Banner, uh, Black Widow, and um, War Machine, they are, you know, sort of kind of surveying the post-Thanos snap world. They are um, in, you know, seeing, the, you know, the people are dying across the world and everything. This is a disaster. And they have, they found Nick Fury's pager before he disintegrated. And they've basically been, like, powering it with, you know, special star technology so that it keeps working until, you know, like, so they can reach whoever it's trying to reach. And it just stops. And um, Natasha is like, well, like, start back up again and, and send it out. I, I really want to know who's the other end of that signal. And the camera pans over. <laughs> Carol is right there. Where's Nick? <laughs> like, ah! I love that because it's like you thought it's gonna be at some big buildup that they were gonna reveal like the it the how she gets there in Endgame, and Marvel's like, no, she's there already, sis. <laughs> also, also, I have questions because I could have sworn that Natasha is this sort of top assassin stealth whatever. You couldn't tell that somebody had just snuck the hell into this 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 building and right next to you, really. You couldn't, it, Ali. Uh, okay. Let, let let the joke breathe. <laughs> I know, but I'm just like, I thought you were supposed to be the best at this. So what's going on here? <laughs> How did she do that? She can fly through the air and punch people. <laughs> she can also make her presence completely undetectable. <laughs> you know, we don't know what she's learned out there in outer space in twenty years. Besides, besides how to use um, Pantene Pro V. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That here was lank. <laughs> wow. And the other one, which Ali left and didn't watch, was just, um, it was Goose throwing up the Tesseract back in the 90s. On, on Nick Fury's desk. Yeah, that was whatever. Because <laughs> Ali literally was trying to look up the post-credits scene. I was like, don't you want to just watch it and enjoy cinema? And so he's like, no, I'm going to look it up and see what it is. I, stu- I, I snatched his phone. Why did this dude, like a cartoon character, go in his pocket and pull out a second phone and keep looking it up? <laughs> <laughs> you let me live. Because <laughs> I was like, Can't put yeah. that ball down. I knew that the second scene, because the second scene, the second um, post-credit scene is always just a really short, funny 
bait, mm-hmm. right? But I was like, eh, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, um, I one thing though, after the movie, a guy was um he he asked Brandon and I about, you know, what does that mean for the origins of the Tesseract in terms of where we've seen it before, because the first time we see the Tesseract is in Captain America, the first Avenger. Mm-hmm. Right. In the 1940s. Right. The, the Red Skull, you know, he's he's the one, you know, after it and whatnot. So here's the deal, because does that retcon anything about what we know about the Tesseract? Bef- um, Not you know, really, because it's a strong 50, 50 years of history that happened between Captain America, the first Avenger, and Captain Marvel. So any number of things could have happened. Okay, because I'm just going to assume, right, that that um, after the events of um, Captain America, the first Avenger, you know, the Tesseract is lost because of that, the climax scene. Mm-hmm. Annette Benning's character finds it many years later. Mm-hmm. All right. And then Goose swallows it, then barfs it up. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know... Samuel L. Jackson's character, you know, then makes sure it's in a, always in a secure, you know, location until Loki lands on Earth, steals it, right? Right. That so works for me. That's a timeline that works, I think. Okay. All right. Let's talk about box office. So, to the disappointment of all of you um, um, man babies out there, Captain Marvel has made $153 million in America alone. This weekend, around the world, it has made three hundred and two million. It's staying at a worldwide total of four hundred and fifty-five million dollars. It has been in theater. I think it's, it came out in London last week, but around the world, it's been in theaters only three days, and it's already it's profitable. Boom, because mm-hmm. I think it budget was only one hundred fifty million dollars, and so that's all that. That's that's pretty much that. Um, that Tyler Perry movie, his final Medea picture last last week. Um, it's still out there, but it you know it's not doing as well as the other Medea movies have been. I don't think Tyler cares. He filmed that. You know, he filmed that movie two years ago. It's been sitting on the shelf for two years. Why would you do that with a comedy? You can't put comedies on the shelf. The jokes get stale. I guess you would argue. People argue that Tyler Perry's jokes were already stale to begin with, but you know. Um, yeah. And just really quickly, like, because I know we haven't done a show in a while because of, you know, nonsense in the world. Um, you know, really quick, uh, I guess, like, entertainment topics. Um, the I know because people have asked me about this, all this shit over the last couple of weeks. The Grammys were weird. That Motown tribute thing, I liked the arrangement of it. I just wish Jeffrey Lopez was not in it and that it was Sierra instead. I did not want whatever, you know... Um, gospel singing, Fantasia, whatever y'all are recommending. It should have been somebody who could who could do the dancing versus the singing because every Motown tribute I've ever seen, except for this one, has been slow and draggy and, and done like it was performed for 60-year-olds. <clears throat> to keep the music alive, you got to update it and make it fresh like it was back in the 60s. Jennifer Lopez was trying to do that. She did the dancing part just great. Singing part, so, you know. The Oscars sucked. I didn't get to watch them, but Ali and y'all were watching them and y'all were in the chat telling me what was going on. Fucking Green Book. Really, Academy? Fucking Green Book? Really? Seriously? Seriously. Yep, it happened. It's a thing. Chadwick turned around in his chair, looked there, probably like, mm-hmm, look at these white people. <laughs> Spike Lee always got up and walked the fuck out. <laughs> Tell Spike, sit down, you're on, you're on television. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I wonder what they had to tell him to get him to calm down. Spike, you're on television. 
You got your Oscar. Be- I see, he did that because he was on television. What are you talking about? <laughs> he, probably, he probably wanted the camera to 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 pan to him as people started like yeah. pointing it. At him. Like, yeah. What did he say afterwards? He said, "Every time uh, somebody drives somebody in a car in a, in a racial drama, I lose to them." <laughs> yeah, I'm not wrong. So. Um, Jesse Smollett. Jesus fucking Christ. So when the shit first happened, I was like, that's terrible, that's awful. Did he fight back? He fought back? Okay, so I guess he's telling the truth. And of course, it took every twist and every fucking turn. And I had to log off for like, I think, two strong weeks after the shit started, after they like arrested him and stuff. Because like, it's one thing to make fun of him because he's lying. Yes, fine. A couple of y'all, Craig, went overboard with that shit. But a lot of people used it as an opportunity to be homophobic as fuck. Because a lot of people would just, they wanted to, the, everybody says yeah, he they, got on that show, was playing that gay character, they'd been talking shit. So, yeah, they wanted it to be, they wanted very much for it to be a lie so that they, they could go off. They could tell the homophobic shit. And I, every person who did it so they could say, talk about all gay people and put all gay folks down, I hope you watch the painful, slow death of your most cherished loved one. Painful, slow happening in 24 hours. Fuck you. You're scum. You're below scum. And Jesse, I don't have to worry, because Jesse got 16 counts on Friday. That boy is probably going to jail. So he's going to get punished. JoJo's going to kick the shit out of him. Journey's going to punch him in the face. That's assuming he don't get off. Johnny Cochran dead, so I don't know how that's possible. Yeah. But the thing is, he he's because the thing is, y'all know I've been a fan of the fucking Smollett family for decades, and ever since they were on the ABC sitcom, which did not get canceled on my account because I watched every fucking episode. Justin and I are damn near the exact same age, and so I really identified with him, and I didn't think he would lie about the shit because I wouldn't lie about it, and I had to realize I'm not him. Because also because I thought, you know, the Smollett family, they're all fucking activists. They, are, they, they march for all this shit. The last thing Jesse was doing before all this shit happened, he was marching to keep Bennett College, the HBCU that was having um, financing issues. He was marching to help keep it open and raise money and awareness and stuff. How do you go from that to this? Even if he's not, it's not 100% lie, the part of it that's a lie is still fucked up. If it's part of it, you know... Something is fucking wrong with the boy. And then, of course, if you told me he admitted that he was on, uh, what was it, Molly, you said he's admitted he was on? He said he was on illicit drugs. That would, and that would be where the missing part of this is. The boy was on drugs. Why the fuck well, are you on drugs? The whole thing of that story is like, I, I didn't, I, I wasn't one who didn't like necessarily not believe him. It just started like, it just sounded fishy from the beginning. Like I felt like, okay, this guy got beat up, but I just felt maybe he was lying about the circumstances of being beat up. I was thinking maybe he was doing something he wasn't supposed to. I didn't know about that because it, it was like, it was like freezing outside and he had got, because the thing was his story, because I, I followed him on social media and stuff, which of course he's not doing now because you know, he's on trial. Um, he had been delayed at the airport. He was flying from L.A. where the rest of the family lives to go back to Chicago, to go back to work on Empire, because Empire famous in Chicago. She got there super fucking late because his flight was delayed. And so he went to get a sandwich at the subway. And he says on the way back from the, from the subway, here's where, that's where the shit happened. Because the thing was, yeah. 
the way that he had already presented himself, not Jamal Lyon, the character of Empire, but Jesse Smollett, the actual person, he wouldn't, didn't sound like the type of person who wanted to be somebody's fucking victim. And I felt a way about when everybody was like, I stand with Justice, this is so terrible, you know, and everything, the victim. I was like, he probably don't want y'all to do this shit to him. Because, you know, he taught, he's the gay Tupac and shit. That's how he is. He likes, like, to show that he has, like, some level of fight back in this, you know, like, to him. He don't want to be the person who got beat up like Noah on Noah's Ark and just sat and folded in the alley. That ain't him. Or at least that's not who he presented to us for as long as I have known him to be a person. So this shit is weird to me, and I've been mad at everybody for, like, weeks about it, and now I'm especially mad at him. <laughs> really fucking mad at him. Well, you know, it's, <laughs> like Steven said, it's a, the circumstances were rather fishy. There, there were a lot of details that needed to line up just perfectly mm-hmm. to make all that happen. The, the fact that you needed... Um, you know, you need two white guys who just happen to be. Well, the thing is, he didn't say they were white. That wasn't in the list, initial report. Okay. There, no, was, there was to, no race. The police, the police clarified there was no race in the initial report. You needed two people who had to be both racist and homophobic, and not just the not just the latent kind, the belligerent kind. Right. And also, you needed them to have rope on hand plus bleach. bleach. Right. <laughs> right. You need them to have those things together and then they had to be aggressive enough to actually approach somebody that they recognize from a show like you have to have all those things come together he made it sound like he had been stalked because before this happened he had the letters that had been sent to him the little ransom notes right and now they're saying that he might have done like the tape and the glue and made the ransom notes himself but, yeah and if he if he's going with that stalking explanation then basically he's saying that there are people who are waiting out in 20 degrees Chicago weather at two in the morning, hoping that he would leave his place to go get some food. I mean, no, no one's going to wait for him to come out saying, okay, there he is. It's two o'clock. He's going out to leave at two o'clock in the morning. Hmm. I thought people would be that crazy. Cause the thing was the same week, some, some actual MAGA guide in, I think Texas someplace was doing some bullshit to Latin kids. You, you never know. People are fucking nuts. So I, I and I didn't think that he would lie about the shit because he because he he looked uh, Robin Roberts in the face and said, "Why would I lie about this? That would just bring down more people who are who are victims and everything, and make people make it less likely people to believe them." <laughs> I don't like when people lie to Robin. <laughs> don't lie to Robin, okay? Like, stop it. Jesus fucking Christ! All right, and the other thing, um. R. Kelly. So R. Kelly's okay. finally finally been arrested for the shit he's been doing for decades. And then he got rearrested for not paying the child support. <laughs> and both times he's been bailed out the first time by that lady who met him a couple of years ago. And it's like, he deserves a chance to try to everything. I think he's innocent and stuff. You know, that that, that crazy woman. And then he did the interview in between his arrest with um, Gail King that Ali um, tried to have me watch and I fell asleep on that thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh. This dude almost I 
Because I, 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 I was staying in Ali's guest room because I was taking him to the airport because um, he had to go to, um, to visit family. And I, I don't remember how it came up. I had mentioned I had not seen the Gail King R. Kelly thing. He's like, what? You should watch it now. So I put it on and I'm watching it. And this this man is gesticulating in Gail's face and acting a fool. And Gail just, she, she crosses her legs, folds her arms, and she goes, Robert. <laughs> Robert. And that's when, that's when I told you, I was like, Gail has children. And we looked it up. She does. She has a boy and a girl. <laughs> she has. Gail knows this. She knows what to do. She's had this happen to her already. She's experienced. She's like, I know what to do with a child during a tantrum. Right. And that's what Rob, he was. You need to sit down. You need to calm down because we need to finish this interview. And I need to get the hell up out of this Trump Tower. <laughs> The funny thing is they didn't even say it was Trump Tower in the actual interview. Is but the thing is, that's where R. Kelly lives. Yes. So 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 yeah. And the mere fact that we get to see this this real means that obviously he didn't uh, you know physically assault her. But boy, watching this, all of that logic went out the window because I was like, bruh, you. You're getting way too close to Gail, right? Like you're and you're, you're flailing st- and stuff, and and you're way emotional yeah. right now. Yeah, you're getting way too close to her, and that's why somebody had to come in the scene and whatever. They had to sit him down. And funnily enough, he was like, "Is this camera still rolling?" And he didn't. He didn't say to stop the camera. He wants people to see it. Apparently, I as, think he thinks that are- we'll feel sympathy for him if we see him acting a fool on television. I guess, but. I mean, I mean, honestly, the the the, the part where all, um, all these hands are on his face, like uh, making sure his makeup is didn't <laughs> run, <laughs> dabbing his face and everything, and I was like, "Bruh, you're making memes. You're li- <laughs> you're, you're right there. You're just you're just making memes. You're like, why are you doing this? The amount of people who have recreated this scene on YouTube, it's ridiculous." <laughs> Yeah, and then of course the Michael Jackson thing. So, Finding Neverland was a Sundance film. I don't, people don't seem to have realized this, and HBO bought it from Sundance after they saw it. And it's in two parts. I haven't seen it. Latria saw it, and she said it's really fucking rough. It is. Oh, you saw it too, now, Ken? I watched it earlier. And it's hard to talk about it because a lot of people who we know and listen to the show are like rabid Michael Jackson fans. And even like the slightest variance from he's totally fucking innocent. People are talking about blocking folks and cutting people off and everything. Um, well, y'all just gonna have to block me because here's the thing. I have always sort of, ever since the Gavin Arizo trial, and even though he got off, I've always sort of kind of leaned towards there's a possibility he did this shit. And I've always felt very conflicted about the whole Michael Jackson thing because I frankly don't know, but it's not outside the realm of possibility. It just isn't. I don't know if these two guys are lying or not. People are saying that, you know, they're like, that if they are telling the truth now, then they committed perjury back in that Gavin Rizzo trial because they were um, character witnesses for Michael Jackson's side. But, you know... At the very least, I think we can all agree Michael Jackson was at least guilty of being having inappropriate for his age um, relationships with children, like who were not his blood, like acting like um like a kid around him and stuff and everything and sort of and like 
it it was at the very least creepy. The parts where people were seeing where um like I was hearing like stuff where um it, it seemed like as if Michael because this he would have the parents go off this way and the kids would you know hang out with him and all that kind of stuff and the, the idea behind the the parents feeling so comfortable to just leave their children in the care of Michael Jackson it I don't know do do you I mean I'm not a parent I mean but something like that I don't know I don't know if my my mom or dad would ever let me out of their sight absolutely the fuck not I wouldn't not until I was like 18 even then um you know, it's kind of like the abducted in plain sight. Did you guys see that? I didn't see that. Oh, yeah. I, I watched it, and it, I, it's, it has very I similar overtones. My, my mind was blown. <laughs> like, I just couldn't believe that this could just happen. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's the same thing. You talk about the parents just, like, you know, letting them happen. I mean, like, in that thing, uh, that documentary, they, you know, the guy left with the girl. They didn't show up that night, and then they didn't call the FBI to like three, four days later. I'm like, how do you let this happen? And that thing is just, we can't, we can't, you know, imagine parents doing that. But I, I mean, there's parents out there that, that do, do I things guess. like that. Yeah. And it's, Michael Jackson thing has been weird because this is, this, it's not like, because people are like talking about why are they going after Harvey Weinstein and stuff. First of all, they are. Um, that motherfucker has two documentaries about his ass. One of them is from British television, so we won't see it over here until somebody buys it. But then there's another one coming up. And there was one last year about him. Brian Singer had one made years ago called An Open Secret. It was on Netflix. I saw it. That shit was rough. But the thing with Brian Singer is he let his um his um friend, Mark Collins Rector, I think his name was, take the hit in the fall for him. Which is the hell he tried to dodge the shit until Rami Malek punched him in the face last year and then like the whole thing came out with like more more um young men came forward to say that Brian Singer was sexually inappropriate with them and stuff. Uh, John Lasseter got hired after Disney fired him. He got hired by Skydance Productions to film their new animation studio. And they it was appalling because they put it they made him put it in his contract where he had to behave. It was like a behavior clause in his contract now and they told the women who worked at the studio you do not have to work with Lasseter. Why? If that's the case, why is he the head? There are other people who could run your animation studio for you besides John fucking Lasseter. The man's like, he's done all the things he needs to do with animation and also things to terrible things to people for years. Let him go. Annette, um, not Annette Benning, um, she was in Captain Marvel. Um, Emma Thompson. Uh, she was going to be a voice in their first movie that they were making as Skydance Animation, and she quit. And she wrote a letter about, you know, we can't trust that he's not going to do this again just because y'all put it in his contract that he's not going to. And it's just, it's messy, like, and I can't do it. And so she quit. And that's what, that's what people should do, is that whole thing. But the Michael Jackson thing strikes me as weird because it's been since the 93, since he got arrested the first time. It's been up and, and it's weird because after he got arrested the second time, in, in 2003, four, which, or I think it was, it had to be four because it was after the Martin Bashir Living with Michael Jackson documentary where Gavin Arizo was laying on his shoulder like, 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 like they were fucking, um, like, like, like it just, it was so fucking inappropriate. And I remember talking about it online back on, on OK Player back in the day, like, what 
in the blue hell is happening right now. What is this? And when they announced he was being arrested, I was like, let me find out it was the little boy. And it was the little boy. I was like, can't do it. That was sort of kind of... And then after that, Michael Jackson's name became Bud until he died. Like, like Jay-Z had one to work with or something like that. And Def Jam said, absolutely the fuck not. You do not work with Michael Jackson. It's not happening. And then he died. And I guess everybody forgave him when he died. Like, automatically, like, it just happened like that. So I remember oh, so all of a sudden people it. were playing the music again. I was like, this is so that's weird. The cure. What so happened? That's the cure. That's so that's the cure for being inappropriate? Death? Apparently. I don't know. I don't know if anybody's going to like write, write us hate mail and stuff from what I'm saying. Write me to hate mail, not them. They, uh, but like, um, I got to be honest about the Michael Jackson thing. I don't know. I I have not written an outside around possibility that it could possibly be some truth to the whole thing. It's, just, it's too much smoke behind it, to be honest. I don't know if people say they had to get him because he's black. People have not thought of Michael Y'all taught Michael Jackson the old Chinese woman for the last, like the last 15 years he was alive. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just, it's weird because it's like, I don't know how to feel about it because it's it's so back and forth. Every five years or so, it's it, like the paradigm shifts in this sort of kind of in this Michael Jackson scandal. And I'm cursed with like remembering way too much shit that I don't need to remember. So I don't know. And now they because they're saying that certain radio stations in like Canada and London have stopped playing his music. The Simpsons pulled that Happy Birthday Lisa episode out of their um syndication package. Oh. Yeah. I mean it makes sense, but yeah. Happy Birthday Lisa is a, a classic. Yeah. And it's me like we're gonna see what's happened with this whole thing. That's when like the meme started about why they're going after this, these random white people that they're naming and a lot of people they're naming have they've been going after them it's just that they have been paying attention because they are white people who are not as famous as R. Kelly and Michael Jackson that's, the, <laughs> that's my, my comment to people as well they're not doing the same thing about Woody Allen and Harvey Weinstein like you wouldn't recognize them if you saw them on the street Michael right. Jackson was biggest star in the world. Right. Of course, we're going to do a documentary on him. Of course, it's going to be the highest rated documentary on HBO because he's Michael Jackson. And plus, Woody Allen's stepson, um, Rowan Farrell, has been spending, he's dedicated his entire adult life to covering stories like this because of his stepfather. Because of all the shit that happened. And he's been trying to bring him down too. What, What happened? Sorry. I'm saying, and and Woody Allen lost his Amazon show, and now they're in, in litigation over that. So it's like yeah. Woody Allen is suffering some consequences now. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know about this this whole thing. Like this Michael Jackson thing, I don't know where it's going to end up. Um, what about? So let me ask you now. Um, this this hasn't this this has always come up again, and I will ask. So. A lot of the people that we revere, a lot of people who, whose music we listen to, um, or movies we watch, um, all these people are not perfect. They've, they've done some pretty crazy stuff, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, what, what happens, what happens then? Because apparently if you try to crucify all these people, you will end up with very few pieces of music that's, that you feel okay to listen to or very few things on TV or in the theaters that you feel comfortable watching. So it has to be a personal decision is what I have determined at this point. 
You can't okay. be something that you you can't tell somebody they can't play R. Kelly music. You can suggest that maybe you might not ought to, or certainly not in public spaces, perhaps. But I can't go into your iTunes and rip out Twelve Play and TP Two Thousand, whatever else the fuck is in there. Yeah, I, 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 agree. I like because the thing is, if I had to do that, I'd take out the Michael Jackson music. I'd take out the Marvin Gaye music because he started dating a 17-year-old while he was still legally married to his wife, whom he cheated on with his, with her 15-year-old niece in the 60s. Um, so I can't take out all the Motown shit because Barry Gordy was a pimp before he became a songwriter. Hmm. Um, the David Ruffin, Temptation stuff, David Ruffin beat, assaulted, Tammy Terrell, he beat and assaulted, um, was the white lady who he, he um he had the um, the kid with, um and everything like that. Genesis uh, um Sapi, I think her name was, I forgot. Uh, I mean, literally, especially with you know, me, I go down the goddamn list. Everybody's fucked up in some form or fashion, some more so than others. But like, if you get into like television and movies and things, you know, there's all these stories like if you listen to um you must remember this, there's all these stories that they haven't publicized about all the old Hollywood folks, you know, people we know rape and assault and everything like that. And you know they're people are fucking terrible. Like you have to, I guess, discern I think number one thing you should definitely do in all these cases is not and this translates back to the whole Jesse Smollett thing too for me. You can't have heroes out of celebrities. You just can't. I just think you can't do it at all. Like, I know because people see Beyonce as a hero and everything. Maybe have people be heroes with the caveat that you have to make sure you never know people will turn on you or on themselves or where things that you don't like about them get revealed at some point. Because that shit is hard. Because the Bill Cosby thing was easy for me because I had already heard those stories. I thought that he was going to die before it all came out. So I thought he had that much, you know, clout and power and stuff because nobody was believing the women. And that turned out not to be the case. There are certain people who I have discussed with y'all in private who I'm surprised they have not gotten caught up in this stuff. Maybe their time is coming. Maybe it'll happen this year. Some of them are a little bit advanced in age, so they got to hurry up. Um, but we'll see. And yes, some of them are black. Some of them are people you like a lot. <gasps> Who knows? Um, well, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, wow. Let's, let's talk about happy shit to bring this, this whole... Um, um, <laughs> mess up. Jordan Peele's Us debuted at uh, South by Southwest on Friday evening. Um, so it's already been reviewed. It has 100% in Rotten Tomatoes. One of the highest like like score scores, like I think an 8.2 out of 10 on there too as well. They say it's a fucking masterpiece that he might be the new Hitchcock. I'm here for that. They say that Lupita is amazing in the movie. I'm definitely want to see it, even though I'm gonna scream my head off. I'm sure. The same week that Us opens up, which is uh, March 22nd, world, um, worldwide, um, a, I think Fandango is who they're doing it with. Warner Brothers is partnered with Fandango to do screenings of Shazam early. Because I found out yesterday that there's a Dragon Con screening next Monday. Ken, did you know that? That what? Shazam, next Monday, free screening, Dragon Con. No. I found out. Yesterday, and I chopped on the waiting list because it was already full, of course. <laughs> it's, at, uh, it's at Atlantic Station. 
So there's almost no chance of... There's almost no chance, I'm sure. Because <laughs> it's fun, though, because, like, I remember when Dreamgirls came out, I was determined to be the first person to see Dreamgirls. And I sort of kind of did that. I saw it in October. It came out in December. With this, I should be the first person to see this movie. They've already shown it to people in Miami. <laughs> and the fucked up part, they say it's good. <laughs> they say it's really good. <laughs> they said the exact words I wanted to hear, that it feels like an Amblin movie from the 80s. They do the whole, like, E.T. Goonies thing with it. That's exactly what they should have done. So if that's what turns out to actually be a true shot, the Pony Smasher and Zachary Levi and all them, thank you for making this movie I've been waiting since I was 11 years old to see and bring it to life. I appreciate that shit. And so hopefully I'll get to see it on the 23rd. If not, I'll see it on April 5th with all the rest of the normal folks. Um, <laughs> but I will say, the Shazam advertising has been fucking terrible. The advertising has been terrible. I don't know if it's they're doing that Justice League shit where they're trying to avoid spoilers, which is what it seems like they're doing because they are not, they're not showing big, gigantic pieces of the basic plot of the movie that you will learn in the first five minutes of the picture. And I'm That's shocked. Good, right? I guess. If something happens in the first five minutes of the movie, can't, isn't it okay for to put it in the advertising? Well, if it's going to spoil, if it's going to spoil something that, or it's going to make the movie pro- more more predictable, like if it's going to telegraph something that's going to happen later on, then maybe you shouldn't put okay, it in. Okay, I guess. I guess you said. I will just say this about the things that they're not showing. Um, don't forget that David Sandberg is also a horror director. That's what it. Uh, Annabelle Creation and Lights Out. Ah. Yeah. So, like, I know the trailers are kind of, like, light and fluffy. And the it, it, movie is part of that, but, you know, Shazam is kind of a world populated with, you know, beings that draw their powers from either up there or from down there. And so there's going to be a little bit of down there in the movie in places. If you catch my drifts. But people seem to like it. Even the people that slash him liked it. And Collider, who um they they people, people the the DCEU fans are convinced that they're like plants from Marvel, but you know, they just they know good movies when they see them, I think. Don't and, do that to Slash. <laughs> I, I won't. I'm no. not going to. But the like, funny thing is that the first DC movie, or the second one that will that works for people is one from a character who's not really a DC character. <laughs> Well, you said yourself that DC's, or sorry, Warner Brothers is 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 really they're 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 mistakenly getting hits. Is probably what's happening. Right? It's also because it's also is the first one. It's not a Warner Brothers movie. <laughs> it's a New Line Cinema movie because they've right. had that license for decades. They just let, Warner Brothers let them keep it when they did those. These they just said just 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 integrate it with our movie somehow. <laughs> so. Well, hopefully. Hopefully that, I mean, he is in, but Shazam is officially in that same sort of universe. Yes, right? it is. Yeah. Okay. So because the whole thing about Freddie Freeman being like this expert of superheroes and having all this memorabilia from the other movies, like he has like a Time magazine from what happened in Man of Steel and like Daily Planet issue, like um, not issues, Daily Planet like uh, newspapers from uh, BBS and stuff like that depict the events that you saw in those movies. Sort of kind of littered around his um his room. Okay, so if this movie takes off and does a good job, then okay, that means that one that you know the the DC universe has two movies back to back. 
that they can, you know, that they can that at least know, work, work, work in some form or fashion for some people, at least. Right. So, and they can just hopefully they can keep up the momentum with, uh, you know, birds of prey. Uh, Question for y'all. Birds of Prey, how are they going to promote that movie after all this Jussie shit happened? How are they going to stop by, people from asking Journey about her brother? By Can never they? interviewing. Are they, are they, is she going to stay at home? Yeah. <laughs> she's going to have to. She, she can be, I can see like she can be on tour with the rest of them, like taking pictures and whatever. But she just can't speak. Right. I guess. That's it. Just say, or, you know, I don't know, just say, oh, Jenny's not available for um, comments right now as she's recovering from laryngitis. Laryngitis, child. Yeah. Her, her character has to scream a lot. I thought this through. Yeah. There you go. So, so she, they were like, uh, Journey had a long night at the in the ADR room last last week, and you know, so yeah. she's not, she, she's on voice rest. <laughs> she had to do all that screaming for the, for the movie. Be respectful. She's recovering from uh, whatever. Throat, whatever. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right, Stephen, you know she's playing Black Canary, right? I don't know if you. Like yeah. following that, yeah, okay, yeah, sorry, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> and for the audience, uh, Journey Smollett Bell is playing Black Canary in Birds of Prey. All right. Um, and they had that Joker movie that's not connected to any of these movies coming out in October. And The Kitchen, which is a uh, Vertigo DC comic, comes out. They moved it up to um, the first week of August. Apparently, they like it. That's also a new line cinema movie with uh, Tiffany Haddish, Miss McCarthy, and I think Elizabeth Moss. I think. No, I, I never, so. I never heard of that before the movie. But isn't that basically like widows? It yes, basically it is. is like widows in the set in the seventies, not in the two thousands. Yeah, they're very similar stories. Um, I don't know. People, people didn't seem to like widows, which perplexed the fuck out of us. But um, Wait, I, I love it. it well received. It it got good reviews, but people didn't like it because they thought it was a different movie than was advertised. Oh, okay. Which is weird. Mine well. Um, but yeah, so I think that's all the... Anything else happened? Oh, last topic. The Warner Bros. All the Warner Brothers, speaking of you know, Warner Brothers and DCs, the, the Warner Brothers shit that's happening, that's affecting Atlanta in particular. So I don't know if y'all heard about this, but um, after this whole AT&T Warner Media thing finally um, closed last year, they had they started up secret plans to do what they're doing now, and now they're doing it. They are shutting down Turner Broadcasting as a company. Turner Broadcasting, of course, owns TBS, TNT, CNN, um, home, um, with the Headline News, Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, Boomerang, and the NBA Network, and I think the NFL Network as well. And they are splitting up the assets of all of that between various parts of Warner Media. And they are because they're putting together a new streaming service. So they have like a Warner Media Entertainment that's focused on the streaming service. They're getting TBS and TNT and True TV, which is like the, the true crime drama thingy they have. Uh, CNN and all the sports networks and HLN, they are going to a new Warner Media News and Sports division that they're going to um, have. And then Warner Brothers proper is getting all of the cartoon stuff and also a Turner Classic Movies. And people who live here, people I know, 
are scared about their jobs. What's going to happen? Are they going to shut down, um, you know, that um, Gone with the Wind looking um, <laughs> production area they have off of um, off the highway over there? Are they going to shut down CNN Center? Are they going to move people? Nobody knows what's going to happen. Now, they say they're going to keep that stuff open, but you never know with corporations, you know, and it's scary. Because, you know, people, like with the Disney Fox thing, people are going to lose their jobs. It's just a thing that happens with these types of, like, shuffles. And then it came out, I think somebody who doesn't want to work for Kevin Sujihara at Cartoon Network or Adult Swim decided they're going to leak this. Uh, apparently, that he was involved in an improper relationship with an actress named Charlotte Kirk and was... Has been accused of getting her auditions in Warner Brothers productions in exchange Uh-oh. for sex. Oh, so now he's being investigated. He had to issue a, an apology, and some of these shady DC fans were like, "I hope they limit his apology to two hours by mandate, because the whole thing about him forcing them to cut Justice League down to two hours." You know, um, Kevin Sujihara has been a controversial figure as the CEO of Warner Brothers because he came from like from home video and people don't think he has a good grasp of like inter- of like creative stuff. So, but he also is of course one of the few people of color to be the head of a um, large corporation like this. I think the, the guy before him was black, if I recall properly. And so, and apparently Warner Media themselves said, we've already investigated this and didn't find anything, but we'll, we'll look again because it's become a story again. So we'll see what happens with that, but I mean, they're doing too much over there and um in the and like at Warner. It's like, can y'all y'all just sold the company? Y'all can we sit down? <laughs> and so what you're oh, saying, the, yeah, but go ahead, go ahead. Before I, I forgot another thing they're doing. So what you're saying is don't work there. I always wanted to work there. That's the that's the fucked up part. I really did. The other part is that uh if you guys remember Early this year, or it might have been late last year, they shut down Drama Fever, which was their their K drama streaming service, because they want the people working on it to focus on the the big Warner Media all encompassing streaming service. But apparently, they fired all of the Asian American and Asian because like it used to be owned by a Japanese company uh, executives who worked there and kept all the white people. They said, and so there is now a lawsuit from those executives. Alleging racial discrimination that they say started as soon as Warner Brothers brought the um, Drama Fever streaming service back in 2016. That they had reported a lot of this stuff and like their superiors had had done nothing about it. So that's another piece of Warner Brothers drama going on over there. Yeah. Meanwhile, at Disney, they're celebrating. They're about to buy fucking Fox. They're making all this fucking money. There's over there having a good old Mickey Mouse time. Because <laughs> <laughs> they say that Mexico is the last holdout to get the Disney Fox merger approved. After Mexico says yes, which they're voting apparently this week, that shit will be. When Mexico thing. says yes, nobody, nobody can say can no. Say no. Jesus Christ. (laughs) But yeah, it'll be official. I hear that they want to buy an extra 10% of Hulu from Warner after, you know, with all this craziness going on over there, they probably will sell it. So they'll owe 70% of Hulu if that happens. 
the streaming, the Disney Plus streaming service, they say will have every Disney production they've ever made. They're putting everything on there, even the shit that's in the vault. Probably not sung in the South, but you know, everything. <laughs> I mean, like, I get original Zorro back. Yes, you do. And Spin and Marty and um, the Mickey Mouse Club, the Monkey's Uncle, all that Vault Disney shit, Herbie the Love Bug, all, everything. <laughs> Uh, what's uh, Professor Ludwig von Drake? Him too. <laughs> also, they, there used to be a live action um, black and white Hardy Boys. Yeah, Hardy Boys uh, was a part of the um, the Disneyland TV show. Yeah. There you go. Yep. All that shit's going to be on there. And people thought they didn't sign up for Disney Plus. Y'all signing up. They're putting that Star Wars, the Mandalorian um, program on there. I mean, they're going to challenge Netflix. Their little um, bitter battle that got all the uh, Marvel shows canceled off of Netflix. <laughs> they they going to go for it, and they're going to win. Um, <laughs> they just are. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that has been our show for everybody. Um, if you've enjoyed what you've heard, you can find more at ssmpodcast.com. This show will be a little bit sporadic because a lot of crazy things are happening. We'll probably come back next for the Us review, I think, will be the next thing we do. Then after that, of course, Shazam. I'm not sure if we'll review Dumbo or not. Um, I don't know. How y'all feel about Dumbo? Tim Burton's Dumbo. Are y'all excited for that? Yeah. Not really, but it's not my, um, it's not my, uh, my cup of tea. Uh, so. yeah, it's not, it's not my jam. I, I'll take it, you know, maybe a little matinee. Okay. All right. So you can find us at ssmpodcast.com on all social media under the handle at ssmpodcast. Steven, where can the people find you and your what you and your wife Tracy's great podcast, just the two of us? Yeah, you can find us on Twitter at uh just do a search for just the two of us podcast. Um my Twitter handle is at Nipsey, like uh Nipsey Russell. And you can find Tracy on Twitter as well, at Trey Riffick. And also, if you do a search, you can find us on Facebook under Just the Two of Us Podcast. And you can actually find the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps, Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, all of those. All right. Awesome. As for me, you can find me at at Touch on Twitter and Instagram. Ali, where can people find you? Uh, you can just find me on the Facebook group for the See Something Nice podcast. All right. And Ken. Yeah, same. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been the See Something Nice podcast. I am Goose. <laughs> I'm the Tesseract. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, who are you? I'm the uh, Blockbuster video manager. <laughs> Your money's going to be terrible. <laughs> huh? He walks in on Monday and is like, what the shit happened? <laughs> right. All right. And, and Ken? Um, I don't know. I'm um, twerk. I'm a flirking, twerking, and a burking. <laughs> that works. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. All right. Yeah.
wonder what this. What, yeah, what would the reaction be? Would that mean that that's it? Like you can't move forward? No, it means you can't move forward. Or, or they'll appeal and fight. <laughs> well, I hope they say yes because I want to see. Because the thing was, AT and T got approval from um, from the Trump administration to merge with Warner Brothers, but now they're trying to challenge it in court. So it could always be that too. Okay. Because it's not even a thing of whether you're good or not. It's like a thing of duplication. That they, you know, they're gonna have too many people who do the same thing who already work at Burbank, where. Tushihara can look at them in the face versus, you know, by Skype or by telephone over in Atlanta. Right. So, so now that you know it's not that, they're not letting go shit people. They're letting go legitimate people who happen to live across the country from them. Because when, so. um, when the whole, because the whole funny thing was when the Marvel Studios thing took off, they forced DC to move from New York City, where they had been for the last 60, 70 years, all the way to California so they could look them in the face. Because, Ken, you remember Convergence, right? Yeah. That was a subterfuge. Like, they hired outside talent and stuff to do that because the people who actually would do all the regular DC shit, all the editors and stuff and the support staff were being moved across the country while Convergence was being um, published. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yeah. (laughs) And none of that shit worked because they won't let them... I hope somebody besides um, Ben... Uh, webinar named Ben Fritz, I think his name was. He wrote a great book called The Big Picture, where he broke down the history of Marvel Studios and why would they do works and versus what Amy Pascal and them were doing at Sony. And it's very, very, very insightful as to what they're doing right and everything and how they're avoiding the problems that Warner Brothers has currently found themselves in. And I really, really wish that more people would sort of kind of, that people at Warner Brothers, first of all, would get on that shit. And also the people who like, we talk about these things with understand. I mean, a lot of this shit's gonna be like how the Fox shit was. You're gonna maybe get a couple of good movies out of them, but a lot of it's gonna have some trouble because they don't understand the stuff. They want to hire people who understand the stuff. They don't want to structure it in a way where one person produces everything or has like creative control over everything. They like fiefdoms over there. So I'm always every time they announce a new one of these new projects, I'm like. Well, I'm worried. <laughs> mm. <sighs> well, yeah. Now, Ollie, don't you don't feel a way about this because these aren't the characters you grew up with. You don't you you don't have like a uh like it's not like they're destroying her childhood when they make a terrible Justice League movie, really. No, not really. I mean, well, I wonder if I can compare like you know when they when um the West tries to. To adapt an anime into a live action. Yes, exactly. Yes, that. Wish they should stop doing that shit too. Has there ever been a good one? People said that the that the Speed Racer was was okay. Was it okay? I never saw it. When it came, I never saw it because when it came out, the reviews for it were abysmal. People really did not like that movie. And it flopped at the box office. That's why, um, that's, it's part of why, actually it's a good theme considering he was making, making it, that's part of why they didn't make Shazam back then. They canceled it because they couldn't darken it enough in the, um, the screenplay. Did it, break, did, it, did it kill a company? 
It didn't really kill the company. No, it the only thing it really killed was Shazam. Because they were they were they were about to make it back then with um Peter Siegel, who's the Adam Sandler director, as the as um the director. They wanted to bring in Jake Gyllenhaal to play um Captain Marvel. The Rock was already said to be Black Adam. And the script, and I think this is part of why he's not in Shazam. The script for the original Shazam movie they were going to make, Black Adam's on page one. He's on page 135. (laughs) He's through the whole thing. And this version is based on a specific Jeff Johns comic book run. He would have only appeared probably on like page 60. It started there, then he'd be like the rest of the movie. But like he'd have half the screen time he had in the one that he signed on to do. Hmm. And, you know, you don't, you don't do that to The Rock. Well, people, yeah, the, the whole adaptation thing, I, I guess <laughs> I'm fine. If I, I have really high standards anyway for the things that I read that get transformed into, into live media. I mean, I felt the same way with uh, the last thing that happened was the Harry Potter movies, like I told you. Like, there mm-hmm. was some... You said Fazo Kiran part three was like, well, I'm gonna do something different. You were like, what the fuck is this? It's just, it just, yeah. I mean, I didn't like I said, like I said, I didn't hate that movie, the Alfonso Cuaron um, third movie. I didn't hate it. Um, a lot of the dark scenes worked, especially since, like I was saying, that they introduced the those characters, the dementors. Uh, yeah, those characters that were basically horrors made come to light so like it it made sense but after that it was just the books after that movie the books got so big that it just became impossible to adapt a really good um potter you know script movie without do you feel like the other movies were not as good because the scope had to be so large yeah it's just too much i mean the the fifth the fifth book is the biggest book in all seven Mm -hmm. and it is it is well over 800 pages and like, they didn't I, split that one. They split the last one. No, they, they split the last one, which is probably the maybe the second or third biggest book. Hmm. So yeah, it is, and it's just one of those things where it's like, as, as a fan, I would be really upset. But as a, but then you have to step back and be a practical, logical person, and be like, hey, there's no way you can translate an 800 and something page book into a movie and keep all of the little nuggets, all the things that you personally like. It's just not going to happen, you know? So you just either have to live with it or or just go online like those incels and start complaining on Reddit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, interesting enough, I found out over the weekend that there's something worse than Reddit. Um... See, uh, funny thing well, is, Reddit is where you look. Like, because I just, I found some post production um Reddit subreddits, like and After Effects things that were very helpful to me. Mm-hmm. But like, there's a lot of you know nonsense on there. But I avoid the nonsense. I block people very easily on Reddit. I gotta go pick up some food in a little bit. Just looking through. Oh, I think people are disappointed about that. John Glover reveals Shazam role. It's not the. It's nothing serious. He's playing Savannah's dad. I don't think that's a spoiler that needs to be hidden from people. <laughs> no, it's it's only a spoiler because if you know, if you're playing Dr. Savannah's father, um, there's two things could happen. A, 
is his father in the movie during the movie? Or B, if it's his father, then does that mean there's going to be a flashback of Dr. Savannah as a kid? Do you want the answer to that or do you? Already know. So, <laughs> so yeah. Because remember, I, I you'd see you in the tree stopped me. I was, I was reading that novelization. Yeah, I don't know what, what you... I had to make sure they weren't fucking it up. And if they were, what are you going to do? You're going to drive down there? Like, excuse me, I'd like in, please. Stop sir. this release! Do you Where's have, the master copy? Just, just, just dive for it. What are you going to do? You're going to, like, um, you're going to just bomb rush the gates with your car? Just drive through it? Smash oh. the gate. So smash Drive the gates and smash the water tower. Make the Warner Brothers fall and the Warner Sister fall. <laughs> yeah, and just, just have, have the tower fall and then it rolls all over the lot, spilling water. Everywhere. Have you ever seen Looney Tunes Black in Action? Yeah, that happens. <laughs> that movie is not good, but that's that's one funny part when um, the Batmobile runs to the water tower and. Um, because of Daffy Duck and Brendan Fraser. And uh, Bugs Bunny is sitting in the backseat of Janet Elfman's car. And Bugs Bunny says, he's like, he's fishing it out of water that's flooded the car. He's like, hey, look, I found Nemo. <laughs> yeah. I like to chill. Mm-hmm. I don't know about um you asked about Dumbo earlier. I honestly like I don't know. I might. The weird I thing might. is they wanted Will Smith to be the lead in Dumbo. To play Colin Farrell's character. The amputee. That wouldn't have made me want to go more. So he chose Aladdin instead. How all right. So Industrial Light and Magic is doing the special effects on Aladdin. Lies. No, they are. They're, they're listed. More lies. Did they assign like the like the C team to work on the genie? Why would you assign the C team for the genie? The genie is a huge part of your movie. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Because don't you think don't you think you would assign the C team to like, you know, architecture? <laughs> or stuff like yeah, that. Or yeah, to, to, to make to, to make to make those like Arabic columns and stuff, and like the like the like the like the little hats and the things. Sky, stars, the night. Yes, the bird. Sam <laughs> like to the bird. Why does the genie look like Will Smith painted blue? Yes, that that is that's where you get your like your 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 he looks really like, good. He looks like Will Smith painted blue, and because he looks so close to Will Smith. It enters the fucking uncanny valley because he doesn't move like a human being. He doesn't move like anything. He moves like like he looks like a horror. What they should have done, they should have taken Will Smith's likeness, his face, the likeness and adapted of it. it. Yes, onto a onto a, a another body. That's what you should have done. Right, like like it should have made him look sort of like Will Smith, but not exactly like Will Smith. And they should have. Taking that motion capture and fix the keyframes because it looks like they look like they literally strapped them in, had them do the shit, and they hit render. Yeah, so that's the other problem too. It's like it shouldn't look like because you know how wacky the the genie is from the from the original animated movie. So don't don't try to motion capture a man <laughs> like right. doing 
stuff. Just, just like I said, just take the impression. Animate it by hand. Yeah, take the impression of his face, put it onto an animated body, right? Take, take some of the like, you know, they they videotape you doing your your um your voice work mm-hmm. in the. Yeah, just do what they did exactly for um the original for your Latin, Robin, Robin Williams. Williams. They took what they they saw Robin Williams. He was very animated in the booth. They were just like, oh wow, you know what? Let's let's use that as as you know key, you know ideas ideas on how to animate the genie, right? So do that too. Have look at Will Smith in the booth. Be like, oh, okay, so this is what he this is what he this is how he acts when he says this and that actually and they're like okay that might translate really nicely onto because yeah. they could have got a better effect they literally just painted him blue and put some filters on him they would have got something better than what they got <laughs> yeah but that right there that's that is like Scorpion King bad oh my god <laughs> yeah that's not that's not good at all I, I'm and but then again, I was gonna say I'm surprised. But then you were just like, "Hey, there's a certain time of year when they push people, they push um, certain movies to to um, to show things um, before." Yeah. Way before but the, the problem with this though is that we saw that in January, I think. Movie comes out in May. The problem is that what's the door? Was Zachary Levi put his Shazam on top of his um, his um, Travel bag on the on on the turnstile. That's cute. Um, his little special figure. Um, okay. The pr- the problem is that that's their design. And if that like they don't have the time to go back and redesign him unless they put they do triple over overtop, which they might do because I heard that Disney is like, they they heard what people said about the shit and they pulled the, the ad like because they had to redesign him from scratch. Like, and the movie comes out end of May. Like, they have to redo this. They have to redo it. They have to. They have, it's not a point. And I heard, and Will Smith claimed that he was going to be mostly blue in the, the movie. <laughs> well, no, that's fine. Like, because he's a genie, have him transform into regular Will Smith in a costume whenever it, no, no no they already are doing that they already filmed that stuff they can't go back to London and well I guess they could put him from a green screen but you know then you get the Justice League shit I don't know what they're gonna do yeah. they gotta do something <laughs> yeah, so you, yeah so I'm just saying keep all the scenes where it's like obviously the genie can be like all stealthy but like like um, they can have him pretend to be a human being mm-hmm. right that's fine keep all those scenes but just whenever he's in genie form you're gonna have to do all that again Mm-hmm. Just, just do it over again, and this time people you are get, already, Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. You, this time you just get the the main guys. Don't get your C team. Get your A team to work on the genie. Yeah, guys, guys. I'm sure Endgame is done, but it was probably not. You know how, C, how CGI is. But pull the people from Endgame and leave leave like the assistants to finish up the renders or whatever. Because I'm sure the animation is done at least for Endgame. Yeah. I'm just like you're. You're in this. This is the same company, though. Y'all should be sharing resources. Because nope. <laughs> Thanos was motion capture, but they, you can tell they they, went and they fixed it and stuff. They made it look beautiful. He like a real person or a real thing, at least. It's it's just crazy. Like if if you know Johnny and Bob and and Aaron are over here working on this and they're done with Endgame, you get Johnny, Aaron, and Bob, and you come tell them to come over, and you're like, hey. I know you all have worked on on um, Thanos personally. We need you to work on Will Smith. Like, just yeah. do it. People already weren't sold on the actors playing Aladdin and Jasmine. 
you know, despite that, you know, worldwide search. Ren, are you still recording? I am, but you don't. You can go. I'm just. This we talking shit. I might. I'll keep. Maybe keep the Latin, the Latin part of this. Okay. The rest of it, I can't because I'm talking shit about my job. Uh, you good? Okay. <laughs> All right, <laughs> bye. Oh, uh, but yeah, the Will Smith thing bothers me so much because it's like it's Aladdin. It's my favorite Disney movie, and now John's gonna John's gonna troll me the fuck out of me because it's gonna if it if it doesn't turn out properly. Well, they ha- well, I mean, I doubt that Disney would try to rule out. Um, this, like, I, I thought that after the, after the reaction, I you thought they're going to let it stay like this. They're going to fix yeah. something. I mean, it's Disney. Disney can't afford to let. They have chained these white people to, and the Asian people, and the, the one black guy who works there, to yeah. their desks. I'm pretty sure they that those. cots. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that there's, yeah, I'm pretty sure there are cushions, cots, there's a, there's coffee makers and the best kind, you know, and, you know, all kinds Nature's of stuff. Nature's best, granola bars galore. Yeah, they're they're going to be working day. And they in. have locked the front door. <laughs> they, they put a chain on there. A chain like Code Ten, enemies here. Chain the doors. Put them chains on the doors. So, so just for a little while, because I mean, I'm sure working that. I'm sure working. So basically, what you're saying is, when it comes to things like that, they outsource it to. So when you ha- when you have a movie like Aladdin, it's going to have. All the special effects. It's not just okay. one company doing it. There's one company who sets the tone. Like they hire visual effects supervisors from one company. They they establish the tone and sort of kind of what things are going so to look like, you, and they approve stuff. But they hire the people around the world to do this at so various companies. Let me tell you where I'm going with this. So basically, since they're going to the they're going to hire um, many different smaller companies mm-hmm. all over. Right. Um, I'm so that's pretty much what happened with the the genie. One of these companies that got hired. I'm probably, pretty sure ILM took that part themselves. That I, why would you outsource the most important part of your movie? Okay, so that means in in house. The, the so basically in house for just a limited time until right up until May. Right, mm-hmm. they've transformed that that whole section, that whole animation department, into like a youth hostel. Right, I mean, you eat here, you sleep here. Yeah, (laughs) you eat here, you sleep here, you shit here, and then you work here, right? But you're not allowed to leave. Tell, just like on, just like on, um, a hidden figures. Tell your wife that you can't come home. Well, the white man started calling her on the telephone. Yeah, like like, there are telephones. You call your wife and you tell her that you're not gonna come home for a couple of days, right? You tell. You tell your kids that, hey, you know, you promise you'll take them to whatever, whatever after this, but we're not stopping. This is this train is about to leave the station. Y'all have one hour to make peace with everybody that you love. <laughs> yeah, because the thing is, I as far as this whole Disney versus Warner Brothers thing, which they have been at war for decades anyway, uh, Godzilla comes out right after Aladdin. If Aladdin is a flop, that leaves the table wide open for Godzilla to come in and smash the buildings, literally and figuratively. They aren't advertising that one either. Have they cut the budget at Warner Brothers? Because remember, you told me. Well, I told you that Lego Movie Two was out, and you were you were shocked. You had no idea it was out already. I mean, I saw all the ads, but I just didn't realize it was here. You know, and, and great. You still haven't seen that movie, though. I sure haven't. I really want to see it. Talking about Dumbo. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, they haven't advertised that. Um, they advertised it for Is It a Romantic, I guess it was about level for that movie. You know, it's a romantic comedy. And then I think, is there any other Warner Bros. movie that comes out between them and now that that's not Shazam? I think Shazam is the next one. No, Nancy Drew. It's Nancy Drew. It's the next one. And we've seen the advertiser for that. And honey, my that's God. not for. That's for that's for kids. That's but not, still, don't you want people to see it? Can't you wow. choose a different font for the poster? <laughs> Who care? Like that's not for you. That's not our. That's not our thing, Brandon. Right. That's not our thing. So it's almost like as if there was a Nickelodeon movie and you complaining about They it. advertise like, Nickelodeon movies. Right, but how can we be upset? How can we be upset over it? It's not for us, right? It's for the children. So let the children do whatever they need to do. Alright. Yeah, just let let yeah. I'm not gonna stress out on about it. There's a Nancy Drew actual show coming out. That's right. what I'm more in watching. Okay. So I'm yeah I'm just gonna stick to that. 